the blast from our past network. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Demons, starring Urbano Barberini, Natasha Hove, and Bobby Rhodes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special Halloween episode of Podcasting After Dark. I am one half of the pad team proper. Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C, joined with me, as always, my brother from another mother, Zach, the Nickel Zach Schaefer. (laughs) (laughs) Never cut it as a blind man. They never cut it as a blind man? No, I don't know. Cut it out. (laughs) Cut it out. Hey, where's Alanis? Hey, I'm on the set. I'm 20 years older than Alanis Morissette. She want to go on a date with me? Uh, Me, Dave Coulier. Uh-oh. And today we are joined by our other brother from another mother from across the pond, David motherfucking Irons. What's up, buddy? It's not my fault, Ripper. <laughs> you fucking Nina. <laughs> hey, can we, quick question, really quick before we jump in. Can we all be alternative, like, uh, warped versions of, like, cinematic horror icons, like in Demons? So, you know, the, the, the weird looking, the Italian Ken Foray, the uh, Linnea Quigley stunt double stunt double. It, it is like the space ball scenes with the stunt doubles. And I was uh, I was definitely getting Zuzu Petals vibes from uh, Nina. Ooh, I'd rather, mm, rather have that. <laughs> Zuzu, my guitar. It's all scratched up. Zuzu, my hair. My hair. And so this is a very special episode. Actually, it's uh, one half of, uh, of a whole special thing. I'm gonna say special a million times today uh, because we've been uh, we've been a long time coming, and we are going to be reviewing Demons One today with David, but we are also going to be reviewing Demons Two this month as well with David. This was something yes. that we've talked about for over a year now. Whenever whenever uh, Synapse uh, put out that uh, Demons One and Two Blu-ray, that's is how long this uh, this has been in the works for. So, David, my man, it's great to have you on board. What have you been up to? Uh, real quick, what's your latest book you can talk about? My latest book is The Skin on the Skeleton. I think I've, I've got a funny feeling I mentioned this on something else we did recently. Ghosts of Mars, Ghosts of yeah, Mars. Yeah, I believe so. But that was uh, a Patreon yeah. exclusive, so let's put this one okay. out there for the yeah. masses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, skin on the Skeleton. Um, best described as I Spit on Your Grave meets Death Wish meets Carrie. Um, it's about a girl who wakes up in a room uh, with amnesia. She doesn't know where she is, doesn't know who she is, with a dead, and she finds a dead body next to her. She runs from the house to escape and is uh, followed and haunted by a skeleton only she can see and hear. And the skeleton tells her if she wants to know who she is, uh, where she is and what she's doing, she has to go out and kill five people in L.A. that night. And each time she kills someone, uh, a piece more flesh appears, more skin appears on the skeleton. And it's all part of the puzzle of her relationship with that skeleton and the the whole the story as, as a whole and her identity and everything so if you like revenge films and you like supernatural films this this is a this is the book for you well wow. i i have my copy and uh, i will post uh, a link in the show notes of course and uh, it's always great to just be chatting 
these wild movies with you, buddy. Um, well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I've been really looking forward to this. This is um, just the opportunity just to sit down and watch this the other night. I think a good sign of uh, of a good movie is when you don't pick up the phone. I want to watch this. There was no phone yeah. involved. It was straight a straight watch, beginning to end, and uh, yeah, it was it was all good. This is this is gonna. I'm looking forward to this. Well, while you're you know you're talking, what's your experience with the film up to this point? The um, no, my experience with this movie was um, this was definitely a video store film, and I remember seeing it prominently. I think every store near me had this. It was, uh, it was a, it, I think it did good business in this country. And I vividly remember the day, it was just me and a bunch of pals all rented this thing. And uh, we went around one of their friends' houses. And I just remember they're pulling the curtains and sitting down to watch this thing in the dark, like on a, on a summer afternoon. And it completely blew me away. And uh, it gave, I, I think I saw it when I was about 12, 13, and it gave me nightmares. Um, I was I, I I looked this up uh, and it's a real thing, but there's something called apocalypse apocalypse anxiety, and I think I got that from watching this film and Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, where oh, this wow. outside force comes in and just demolishes society as we know it, and I, I and that's why I used to have dreams of nightmares of things coming in and just destroying our entire society, and it definitely came from this movie and it came from Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. And, um, yeah, this, this is one, I don't know if I want to spoil this straight away, but I'm, I'm, I'll put it this way. This, uh, it made a big impact on me in lots of ways. It inspired my first novel that I put out, Nightwaves. And if you saw the music video, it's got the glowing eyes. Yeah. And I contacted some guys over in LA to find out how you do the eyes and everything else. And they told me the technique they used to do that. And I copied it for my music video. And, um, this is in my top three top three horror movies this is this wow is, this this is a big one this, this is, a, is big a big one. one this is a big one yeah zach what's your experience with demons one once again my brother eric exposing me to his gen uh, uh movies from that that he enjoyed sorry i was about to say something else but i made sure i did not no i'm kidding just kidding uh he no he he turned me on a demons the cover scared the crap out of me uh as a kid I was terrified to see it, did not want to watch it. It gave me nightmares when I did watch it, and then I wanted to watch it again because I thought the concept was so cool. I would go to sleep thinking about G.I. Joe characters being trapped in some sort of weird place that they couldn't get out of, surrounded by cobra zombies and, uh, I mean, sorry, demons. And I was fascinated by it and continued to watch it multiple times throughout my teens and 20s and early 30s and then david and i covered it on our top horror top italian horror films watch list that we did maybe two years ago so if you go in the wayback machine the boop, 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 you'll find it there um and demons will come up so demons 2 will come up as well and you can hear a little bit more details about our uh, specific thoughts on the movies and i'm so glad we're covering them i'm so glad david you're here with us bringing it to the table because Demons 1 and Demons 2, I don't want to say they're underrated. I think they're underappreciated uh, in the pantheon of Italian horror cinema. I think oftentimes people go with, rightfully so, Zombie and Cemetery Man. And like, you know, the more like mainstream, see it on a t-shirt. But if you see a dude rocking a Demons t-shirt walking down the street, you're like, that guy, That's that guy's legit, you know, <laughs> versus uh, some dude who's like, 
rocking his, you know, I don't know. The Beyond or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, like, it's like a dude wearing a, you know, uh, NWO t-shirt from WCW and then another dude wearing, like, a Diamond Dallas Page t-shirt. And you're like, oh, that guy's got a little bit more going on. So he knows what wrestling's all about versus new, new, new world order. Um, shout out to Diallo because I know he likes them both. And, yeah, no, that's my connection with demons. Yeah. And then, of course, I would say the first thing that appealed to me as a kid and then kind of turned me off once the music movie started was the soundtrack, uh, the music soundtrack. It's like listing all the soundtracks, you know, on the cover art. Absolutely amazing. Like, yeah, but then I was like, oh, but I was really hoping for, you know, uh, Love Somebody by Rick Springfield. And then I got <laughs> the, the Rick Springfield song specifically was the only song that I was like, oh, that I wish they would have chosen a different Rick Springfield song. Anyway, <laughs> that's I, it. I, I think you're the only person who's ever come to that conclusion after watching Demons. Oh, man, that Rick Springfield song, they really let me down with that one. <laughs> it really, it's, Corey knows, and I think you too know, David, I'm a, I'm a huge Rick Springfield mark, and I love that guy and so that song is is not a bad song it's just not a song that i would have placed in the movie but then again i didn't make the movie see i'm a motley <laughs> crew mark so when that yeah, dude, save our too. souls kicks in oh, i was like oh okay yeah now we're getting down to business yeah but, dude um, and that yeah. song is a underrated that's an underrated song motley crew's known for their their big hits right but then if you go deep into their catalog shout of the devil and too fast for love those two albums I, are I have, phenomenal oh, yeah. i have them all up there somewhere just behind me i've got the whole catalog of motley Crue albums oh, so yeah good. i love them. So I love them i saw them in concert the whole band um i guess mid early 20 you know, 2008 or something like that maybe when they were in la they were doing that one tour i mean mick mars was still you know with them and everything and it was a fantastic show. Yeah, man, I've, I'm a huge Molly Crew Mark as well. And as far as, like, my experience with this movie, um, I don't remember, like, the first time I watched it, but, you know, growing up reading uh, Fangoria and Rue Morgan stuff, I feel like, you know, Demons was always in my peripheral. Uh, it was always in my knowledge base. Um, and I, it was one of those movies where I would watch once every few years. I think I had the, uh, the Anchor Bay vhs clamshell that they put out back in the day i picked that up at suncoast so it's always a movie that i I always revisit but i never like jump to and say oh and cite it as like one of my favorite horror movies because you know i'm kind of a basic bitch i'll still go with the beyond and, and stuff like that and everything but i've always enjoyed this movie and it feels like it's always been in my life but i never kind of champion it so maybe this will be a nice change and and actually I can actually do that now. Uh, Corey, I would and never I call wanna... you a basic bitch for, for, <laughs> yeah, for saying wanna... the beyond. That, that's unbelievable. Yeah, oh, you basic <laughs> bitch. You like the beyond. If, if you come along and you're like, oh, I absolutely love paranormal activity, that's when <laughs> yeah. you can say, okay, basic bitch, please step away. <laughs> yeah, I want to add a little asterisk to my earlier comment. Anybody that appreciates Italian horror cinema is rad in my book. But the, sometimes you go a little deeper into the catalog yeah, and you course. find things like, you know, uh, it, yeah, and, and and whether it was, uh, if you mentioned Saw movies or Conjuring movies, you're oh. not going to be on the show. Yeah, you, ever. you're not in the <laughs> gang. Please leave. Please ever. leave the vicinity. You're not welcome. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love the shock horror. The, my favorite horror film is the one where it turns out it was all a dream. Get out. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I really like M. Night Shyamalan. No, no. Nope. 
I, nope. I completely really agree. Like, nope. I completely agree. I hear that all the time. Oh my god, that Annabelle, she's so great. And it's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Now, no. Zach, do you want to jump into the cast and crew? I don't know how many people we really have. I mean, it, the funny thing is, we do have a lot of people to talk about, but like a lot of them have only done a few things. Yeah, I mean, we, we'll we we'll go over the main principal characters, uh, Rocco Cifaretti, Kelly Maroney. No, I'm kidding. Um, there's a lot of lookalikes in this, by the way. And so just don't be surprised if I call out Italian Ken Foray or if I, I call out Italian Rocco Cifaretti. Actually, he is Italian. Um, or you, Italian you Zuzu Petals. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I always thought George, and this is as it went on, he looks like... Um, Jensen, what's the guy's name? Jensen Ackles from Supernatural. They look really oh, similar. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're right, yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah. I yeah, I see that. And the whole time one. I was like, and the thing is, like, he gets hunkier and hunkier throughout the movie. Kind of <laughs> like uh, kind of like the lead in the second one. Um, but yeah, he, I was like, he's sparking something in my in my recognition banks. And yeah, dude, he does look like that guy. He from does. Supernatural. Yeah. yeah, he really yeah, does. He really does. That, that actor is Urbano Barro. Urbano Babrini, uh, and he was in Cresino Royale, which is pretty rad. Cresino Royale, one of the best uh, '80s horror, uh, one of the best '80s movie posters. Gore. If you've never seen Gore, it's PG. Oh boy, the poster would make you think it's something else. Uh, Rebecca Ferrati is in Gore. Rebecca Ferrati <laughs> is in Gore. And Jack Palance. Actually, if you have you seen Gore, David? A PG film right, named Gore. I don't think I've seen. I don't think I've seen this thing. Let me have a look. Oh my god, you got to see Gore. It's it's got Jack Palance. It's got Oliver Reed, uh, and of course uh, Urbano Babrini. He's the How lead be too. PG with that name. That that's the thing that's. Uh... It's like Yor. I think you should do a double feature of Yor and Gore. <laughs> <laughs> Your gore, your gore. I think we're coming up with a new movie, a new book by David Irons. Your gore. It's set in the future, but it's all barbaric. Um, I, I, love oh, I love you. I love you. Oh yeah. Hang on. Oh yeah. Go- I do I've too. seen gore. I've seen gore. I've seen gore. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a sword it. and sorcery film. Yeah, yeah. Got it. I was thinking. Yeah. You say gore, and I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be there's like no- a decapitated head. Yeah, you were thinking there's an on the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were thinking there was an E at the end of gore. Yeah, no. There's yeah, no yeah, e, it's G-O-R. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Natasha Hove plays Cheryl, and she's, you know, done a lot of uh, Italian films, and, uh, you know, that's yes. that's all I'm going to say yeah. about that. Yep. <laughs> at least she has a, an IMDb picture. She does, and and that's when we will shout out people who have IMDb pictures. Uh, Carl Zini plays Ken. Um, what's his look like? Robbie Benson. Is he a Robbie Benson look like, David? <laughs> who the hell's Robbie Benson? Bro- who's Robbie Benson? I'm I'm firing a blank on this because I I was thinking of someone who he looked like, and he blew my mind then completely. Robbie Benson. Well, you can m- mention who you're thinking of in a minute. I can't even Robbie think Benson, now. Robbie Benson was like uh, in every. He was like a teen guy, you know. He was I, I a teen was, movie guy. I was thinking uh, Dana Ashbrook. 
I that, like budget China. Oh, dude, yeah. uh, David, you're yeah. reading my. You read my Fine. brain. I was literally just typing in "Return of the Living Dead Part 2 because I was like, I forgot what his name Ashbrook. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's the Italian Dane Ashbrook. Yeah, yeah. He, he <laughs> exactly is, and Robbie Benson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> David, you're, he was in get out of my brain, man. <laughs> Carl Zini, Carl Zini, or Zini. Uh, Carl Zini was in a lot of Italian movies, so I'll leave it at that. <clears throat> Now is, uh, Fiore, is, Fiore, uh, is Fiore Argentino? Is that a Dario Argent? Argent? Oh shit! Never it's mind. His daughter. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his daughter. It's his okay. Argento. Yeah, yeah. Yep. How many daughters? I, I know. Does he I have? just googled. I just googled Robbie Benson. I know Robbie Benson. Yeah, yeah. You know I, Robbie. I know Benson. Robbie Benson. What's yeah, wrong yeah. With I had you? Ashbrook. You know. Ashbrook. Dana Ashbrook was swimming around in my More mind. More Dana Ashbrook. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah. I'll give you that. Ha, um, how many yeah, daughters no, does Argento have that are working in film? Do you know? I think just the two. I think. I think. Asia does more, but I think um, is it Flora Argento? This one, who's in? This is Fiore. Fiore, Fiore. that's it. Yeah, she. Um, I think she only did a few things. I don't think she followed it on like um, Asia did. I don't yeah. think she, I, and hopefully yeah, he yeah. didn't terrorize her like uh, Asia. I think she had a, a taste of that and went. I, I just want to know you as my father rather than my torturer and just left to the set. Goodbye. Yeah. God, Papa, why, why I ask for rice and it's a maggots? I don't like a lost boys. <laughs> you it's just not need the okay. It makes a good scene. It's fine. You eat. Yes, come on. I wanted the eggs for breakfast, Papa. Um, and then I'll just shout out. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Goretta Goretta <clears throat> plays Rosemary. She's probably the most kind of vocal or or puts herself out there from this movie as far as like. I was in demons, you know, yeah, a lot of yeah. other people don't. And she's one that toots that horn and also toots her private life. Probably too much <laughs> on bitch. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And she was also in uh, rats and uh shocking dark too. And Terminator two. That's, uh, that's shocking dark. Oh, that's shocking dark. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But it's really aliens. It's really aliens. Yeah, it's really yeah. yeah. It's an alien script, but they build it as Terminator Two. It's a. I, I have it. A buddy of mine, uh, Artie, he he sent it over, and uh, it's it's a wild ride for sure. All right, well, Zachy, um, baby, I think you're forgetting someone rad. very important from this cast list. Bobby Rhodes. Oh, give me the knife! Give me the knife! So I, we're gonna we're gonna Bobby Rhodes is gonna come up more than once at least on the show. Yes. yeah uh, save him for part two <laughs> yeah i mean bobby rhodes bobby rhodes baby aka the italian ken foray but i believe he get i i think he deserves to be called bobby rhodes not the italian ken foray i think he earns i think he earns his own name in this film yeah. <laughs> he totally does. Uh, i agree yeah. i do want to throw out my personal crush was uh pa- paola cozo uh paola paola cozo man i'm bad at names guys which one? Uh, who? Kathy. Kathy. Paola. Who? Who's the other prostitute? Cosa. She's. She's. Oh, that was face. Carmen. Yeah. That's uh, Fabiola Toledo. Yes. Fabiola yeah. Toledo. I, I, she. I do have to say, she's my favorite. Oh, <laughs> well, they're both uh, d- yeah. dark haired, curly, dark hair. So, um, yeah, well, we have some more taste. <laughs> <laughs> so your yours is Kathy. Yeah, I was a big fan uh, of Kathy in this movie. I'm a big fan of Hannah. I thought Hannah. Oh, Hannah's, yeah. She's, she's yeah. great, too. Yeah. They're all great. This is a great movie. Oh, no, I was just going to say Ingrid. Um, she's um, She was the kid in uh, Andy Warhol's Flesh for Frankenstein. Oh. oh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen that or, or not. I was I, ha- I was no. more confused by her characters. Like, oh, was she a yeah. part of the whole thing? Uh, 
at, at the beginning and then we can talk about that sort of as we go yeah, along definitely. but that was always and it's always been one of my biggest sources of confusion is what her like role in the whole thing is mm. I, I completely agree i completely agree but she's um yeah she's been doing those italian horror films for uh quite a while like uh, i think she's really young in flesh for frankenstein she's like about 10 or something in that so this was kind of a bit of a comeback for her. Like, but at the time, people was like, oh yeah, she's the girl from Flesh for Frankenstein, grown up, check her out, she got hot, which is kind of weird. <laughs> and she never <laughs> cut her hair, that's why it's like down to her ass. She's got like exactly. the most yeah. hair that's ever existed. <laughs> isn't, that a, isn't that a Billy Idol song? Flesh for Frankenstein, flesh. Probably. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Lamberto Bava, Lamberto Bava, he worked a lot with... Uh, Dario Argento that's kind of how he it's not how he got a start but I think that's definitely an influence on his career uh he he's done a lot of fun movies like Blast Fighter and Devilfish and Blade in the Dark and You'll Die at Midnight and of course Demons 2 so we'll come back to it uh back to him he has um, a cameo in the film he has a cameo in the film oh he pointed does. out I, I actually didn't pick up on that at the very beginning the first guy to step foot off the train when ah, it falls into okay. the station. That's, okay. that's him. He gets off and just disappears off to the left-hand side of the screen. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. This movie obviously has Dario written all over it because he produced the film. Have you ever seen the behind-the-scenes uh, featurette on this? It's probably on the Blu-ray. I think I have. It's been a while, it, though. It starts with Dario, and he's sitting in the, um, on, the, on the helicopter in that scene. They've, they, he obviously did it like uh, before they've set up or they started or they finished filming. And he's just sitting there talking about demons and his career. And he's just like sitting on the, the edge of the helicopter in the cinema, which is it's amazing. Oh, no. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's so great to see. So, David, you know, how, like sometimes you'll be like this movie's produced by John Carpenter, but he had like nothing to do with it. Uh, Argento actually was like on set and had he a lot of hands on with this. A hundred percent. He was very hands on with this. This was um, I think this is um, it's. <sighs> A, a little, a, slightly, a bit Hooper Spielberg poltergeist, if you catch my drift. Yeah. It's a bit, yeah. There was definitely hands-on with this thing, and you can see it. And I mean, as we break it down, there's, I've got my thoughts on things where the Argento comes in and the Bava kind of, where, where mm. they separate and bleed together, you can kind of tell what's what. And I think it works to this film's advantage. If you know their careers and the kind of things that they're capable of, I think you get the best of both of them in this film. Yeah. And I think it works together to make something very good. And, I th and, I, and just, you know, a quick heads up. I think it does bleed over to Demons 2. I think there's still a, a spark of that magic from this in that film. Oh, for sure. And for sure. For, for people who maybe don't know, um, because we covered Fulci with Zombie, um, but Argento is up there. I mean, these are like the godfathers of Italian horror cinema and everything. Uh, for those of you that don't know, da uh, David, what would you say would be like maybe one or two movies to go check out for Dario Argento that you would recommend to kind of get a real good taste of his aesthetic? I Well, everyone would say Suspiria definitely I mean you're going to hit that that's that's a high note um, I like Creepers Phenomena if you like Demons that's a good thing to transition into to go into Dario Argento territory because they're produced around the same time you've got the same composer and basically Dario set up a deal I think it was with a British publishing house music publishing house uh, to feature lots of popular music in 
his films and the three films that did that were Demons 1, Demons 2 and Phenomena so that's why you've got the, the heavy metal music and uh, uh, popular music in those films uh, it, uh, they all feel from the same kind of time frame because it was that point in time where they were made under that same deal to have those uh, popular music soundtracks so I think Phenomena would be a good one to go to straight after Demons and okay. I, I would say it's kind of tough isn't it I, I like where does uh, Deep Flies? Red land for you because I have the Arrow Blu-ray and I haven't watched it yet it's, it's it's good. It's good. It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite. Definitely not. Um, I kind of like opera. That's that's fine. Um, I would probably say those two, and then just branch off wherever you want to go. If it, okay. it, it, it's, it, I mean, I like Bird with the Crystal Plumage. I, I think that's a good film. Um, I was really kind of taken on that premise of that guy being stuck in the, the shop window and stuff. So there's, I think after you do this, I think a good way to go. Is scale back down from. I think Demons is a good gateway film to get into Italian cinema. Yeah, and I think you can ride down the rail from there and go backwards to the to the seventies stuff uh, with Argento and with Barber as well, and then you can kind of move up the scale. I think I think everyone would agree. You're either going to look at the Italian horror film cycle ending with Cemetery Man or The Wax Mask. And you kind of you're either going to go down the rail or up the rail. There's not much up the rail, but there's some good stuff there. And you go down. There's lots of good stuff there. So I think this is a good way. It's a good catchy film to get into the Italian horror genre. I would definitely say that. I think you're right about the demons being a great like sort of you know entry point into Italian horror and everything because it is it's very accessible. It's a very accessible film. Very sort of e- easy plot to follow. But very fun at the same time. And then you also get a lot of the silly tropes like the the acting styles and stuff like that, which you're going to either love it or hate it type of thing. Yeah, I, I think I think it's accessible because a lot of those Italian films, they really try to make them feel like American films. And we've mentioned this before, that they overemphasize the American stuff. And it kind of feels, and that's when it feels aliens. It, it feels alien. It feels like, yeah, this is this is a foreign entity trying to make it an American thing, and you're doing it all the wrong way. And something right. I always refer to is New York Ripper, when there's an old lady and she has to go to the police station, and when she's in there being interviewed, she goes, "Oh, I was just sitting in my apartment watching Dallas. Have you seen Dallas? It's this TV <laughs> show about these rich people of all this money." And it's like you're just explaining American things to try and sound American. <laughs> Uh, and I think that's a very good example of it. And you don't get that in this. This is very tight. This is very much... You could say these characters are just kind of stereotypes, and in a way they are, but they're very well pl- They're very well played. You believe everyone in what they're doing, why they're there. Um, it, there's none of that kind of trying to make something feel like something else. It just kind of is what it is, Demon, set in its own little world with its own kind of logic stroke, dream logic about how things work. And I think that's what makes it very accessible. It's not trying to be something other than what it is. And it does. It succeeds in that very well. And it's, it's, it succeeds in blurring those lines between reality, quote unquote, and film yeah. reality. Yeah. In a very sophisticated way, uh, visually, more so than Wes Craven did with New Nightmare and Scream films. Because they yeah. kind of, you have that meta element where they're nudge, nudge, wink, wink, talking to the audience. And this, through editing and technique, it does that without having to say nudge, nudge, wink, wink. 
and I think it it's it's a lot smarter than you you could give it credit for in a lot of ways. Yeah. Very I well agree. said, and thus I ends agree. our review of Demons War. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and we're done. Yeah, we're done. Let's go. We're shortest inter- shortest episode ever. <laughs> um, I was just going to shout out because David had brought up the heavy metal soundtrack, but I think it goes without saying. The score is by Claudio Simonetti, uh, obviously of Goblin, and you know the resume speaks for itself. Uh, what he has worked on in his career and what movies he's worked on. Um, just really quickly, I'm going to shout out the movie Patrick. If you've never seen Patrick, you should check that out and you should check out the movie cut and run. It's a U.S. film in the in 1984 directed by, uh, Ruggero Deodado, uh, with a great cast like Lisa Blount, Richard Lynch and Willie Ames and, Berryman. and Michael Berryman. Berryman. Yeah. Exactly. Mike, and yeah. Eric LaSalle, a young Eric LaSalle, Willie Ames before he became Bible man. Um, so <laughs> yeah, Claudio Simonetti. Uh, I actually love this score. This is one of my favorite Italian uh, horror film scores. Demons one. Demons 2 is close second, so nice. we'll, we'll get to that next time. Yeah, and just a heads up for everybody, Zach will be breaking down Demons 2, so uh, David and I will be riding shotgun on that one, so looking forward Damn to that it. one. You get to break down the movie that's two minutes shorter than mine? <laughs> it, it has like six minutes of just a motorcycle action slicing heads, and I just wrote one sentence. Yeah, it was perfect. I loved it. <laughs> I mean, my movie has like six minutes of uh, uh, desserts being made, so uh, you know, you'll, you'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> we will. We will. It's good stuff. But for now, you guys want to jump into Demons 1? Let's do it. Hold on. I got to scratch this little itch first oh it's it's oozing zach gross oh, i gotta go pop a pimple <laughs> just just face. like in the damn movie <laughs> be right back <laughs> the preview you are about to watch is for a movie that is unlike any you have ever seen before it is for a movie that goes beyond temporary fear to everlasting terror it is a movie called demons <laughs> Yes, the demons are coming, and they're coming for you. Warning, if you have the courage to see demons, sit near an exit. Otherwise, you might never get out. In your theater, who will survive the touch of the demons, and who will not? Demons. With music by Billy Idol, Motley Crue, The Adventures, Rick Springfield, and Saxon. This is no dream. This is happening right now. And it could be happening to you. Demons. They will make cemeteries their cathedrals. And the cities will be your tombs. Will you survive it? Demons. The movie opens with an awesome Demons logo. Seriously, this one was a damn good title card. Agreed. We see a crowded subway train full of all kinds of people as the credits play. Lots of awesome 1985 fashion on display. I mean, it's like probably realistically 1984 Italian fashion. Oh, man, it's it's amazing. 
Can I mention something quickly? Something yeah. that's kind of kind of important, kind of important. The very first shot, the very first shot, two lights coming through the tunnel. Oh, hold, like the hold eyeballs. Hold that thought. Hold that. No, well, yeah, but hold that thought. Hold that thought. It comes back into play later. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Cheryl Natasha Hoovy is looking around the train and holding her school books. She sees a reflection of a man with a half-chrome mask in the dark of the train's windows. Cheryl looks around, worried. He's gone at that point. He, and he's not Rocco Cifaretti, by the way. Or maybe he is. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Rocco Cifaretti? Google it. Google, Google it, it, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Explain, Zach. Who is he? Uh-oh. Someone I knew a lot of when I worked at Video Man. <laughs> yep. Yeah, me too when I was working at the, the porn store. We need more Rocco tapes. <laughs> yeah. Rocco meets Jenna. Rocco meets Coco. Oh, yeah, dude. Did he, he also put out the Buttman magazine too, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> did he? Did he? I think really? he did, yeah, and that was a big deal. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Back in the porn store days. Um, when the train gets to the station, everyone gets out and Cheryl follows. As the vehicle moves away and the passengers go about their business, Cheryl is left alone in the building. And then, uh, uh, David, this is when you said the you saw the director coming out of the. the he train. comes out, yeah. He's the first guy. He's wearing a blue jacket and he's got black beard. You see him just zip out there really quick. He's like, "I'm out, bitches." Yeah, I'm done. There's my Hitchcock moment. Goodbye. <laughs> As she starts walking, she hears, then sees the masked man and starts to run. He walks after her. Cheryl takes the S. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. He's turned into a demon. Just, <laughs> yeah, just like in the damn movie. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Now I have to keep it in because that joke worked. <laughs> Cheryl, ta- I'm getting over a cold, guys and gals. So I apologize for it. <laughs> Cheryl takes the escalator to the second level and feels relieved when no one is following her. She is startled when she gets to the top of the moving stairs only to find the half-masked man right in front of her. After a tense pause, he hands her a ticket to the Metropole Movie Theater without saying anything, then walks away and hands out more tickets to the people in the station. Cheryl laughs to herself, then goes back to the masked man and asks for another ticket for her friend. When he gives her one, she asks if he's dressed like that for the promotion of the film. He doesn't say anything. He just hands her another ticket and walks away. So, David, this whole scene right here kind of... Uh, alludes to the dream logic factor because we see his reflection in the plane. Uh, I'm sorry, on the train, but he's not actually there. Uh, we're going to like see his reflections a little bit later. It's not something they're really going to dive into. Um, and then the whole, you know, him following her and then her going up the escalator and he's there. It's all dream logic stuff. And I very much enjoy it. What I wish was we had more of an understanding of what his involvement in the whole thing is. Cause it, I mean, he's got this cool mask. Like, what is that? Is he a part of all this? Same as, like, with Ingrid later. Is she a part of all this? What this guy... Well, this guy is... Uh, uh, what's his name? Michel Suave, isn't it? Who directed Cemetery Man. This is this is him. Yeah. This oh, is him this is this the spot. director of Cemetery Man. Holy this shit. This is Cemetery yeah. Man, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is him. And um, if you look at that mask that he's wearing, it is the demon's mask, but only half of it. And the half that he's kept on his face is the half that scratches you. So it kind of would imply, if we're, if we're talking logistically why he's wearing this thing, is he's put that thing on. He knows that if he takes it off, it's going to scratch him. So he's cut the thing around so he can live with the demon mask embedded on his face. So if he takes it off, he will become a demon. Um, if we can flash forward a bit later on to the way when he actually communicates, his vocals 
are somewhere between human and demon, which makes me think, did he, is what, my explanation is that what they were thinking, he's someone who's put it on, but he's also the lead, he's the, he's the main guy in the film within a film. He's the guy who actually puts the mask right. on in the film, and yeah, it is yeah. him, it is him, yeah. So I think there is some sort of logic there to why he would have that half mask, but it's never said outright and it's never even explored. It's just a visual thing you see and you can kind of just draw your own conclusions and that's mine. Basically, okay. it's it, it It kind of makes a, a, a vague sense visually uh, about what this guy is. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's fantastic yeah. world building. I didn't even have to do it, right, Zach? <laughs> David did it for both of us. <laughs> no, thank you, David. I was going with uh, Yin Yang and the, the one side's the dark and one side's the light well that would make sense as well that completely works with this that that same idea it really does because he's part human part demon yeah maybe the demon is the the light (laughs) (laughs) now wow wow now we're getting real deep into things guys maybe the humans (laughs) are the bad guys all those demons just want to have fun Demons just want to yep. have fun. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> the rings, and I'm going after a human. I'm gonna rip his face off. Really, really good. Outside the station, Cheryl meets her friend Kathy, uh, Paola Cozo, who's waiting for her. You know what? I was getting vibes uh, for her, uh, the the chicken zombie. You know, the one that goes under, that goes diving, diving underwater and attacked by the zombie in the in the ocean. Yeah, that's mm. who I was kind of getting vibes of. Yeah. Oh, that was a that, teaser Pharaoh, wasn't it? Was it? Is that right? Who was in Zombie? Was it? No, you're. Th- she. He's thinking of the brunette, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The one that goes scuba diving, gets attacked by the zombie, and then the zombie Tisa gets attacked the, by the shark. Yeah. Yeah, Tisa's the one who looks like she needs a nap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're completely right. Yeah. Dude, what the hell? Put some yeah. cover up on those dark circles. <laughs> it's real. It's real method acting. Sorry, because we don't want we don't want people driving off the road while they're listening to this. Um, yeah, I was just checking as well. I, I couldn't think of a name. Oh, yeah, I was. Uh, I'm referring to Aretta Gay, who plays Susan uh, in Zombie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I've just found so, her. Yeah. So yeah, I was getting vibes of of her with uh, Paola, uh, Kathy. Paola, mm, Kathy. So Kathy's it's, it's waiting. It's weird for... how all these Americans look like Italians. I don't get it. <laughs> it'll, oh my gosh. it'll have Italian names too. Um, <laughs> I mean, really quick in regards to that with the Italian American thing. So this movie's dubbed. Uh, you can listen to the Italian version, I think, mm. on the Synapse copy. But but the dubbing actually doesn't bother me. It never did bother me, and it always felt somewhat natural. You get used to it maybe five or ten minutes into the movie. And if people, you know, don't know, um, Italian cinema, they don't roll sound um, because notoriously they have a, a lot of different uh, different speaking actors. So sometimes you'll have actors speaking their lines in another language and stuff like that. And then they ADR everything, every sound they put back in. Um, and then they can dub all the languages as many as they want, as easily as they want. And it kind of makes Italian movies more easily distributed. Uh, throughout the world because of that like sound wise and everything but that also that also lends this itself to you can tell when it's an italian movie you know what i mean like you can always tell even even if they're lipping english and they're saying english it just you know adr never quite matches up because you know you always want to roll sound there it's it's the rhythm of how they talk isn't it so so you're trying to put english to the way that they're talking they're saying these words 
uh, in an Italian accent on set. That's how they're doing them. Then they're trying to get an English or an American actor to, to dub that. And that's why the rhythm of the way they talk sounds so weird. It's like, it's like I was saying earlier on with the old woman in New York Ripper. She just doesn't stop talking. That movie, if it's that TV show Dallas, oh my God, those people with so much money and da da And you're like, oh, oh, uh, excuse me? But as, yeah, a, it, as a fan of Italian horror, though... This is one of the things that I love. It, like yeah, it's it's yeah. very it's it's like the it's one of those things that is it's comforting. Like oh, I'm watching an Italian horror movie. I can see it. I can hear it, and I love it. Yeah, it, I think it adds to that. When we're talking about dream logic, I think it gives it a kind of other atmosphere to an yeah. Italian. Yeah. An Italian film has its own atmosphere, and part of the reason of that is that dubbing. It mm-hmm. really does. It, it adds to build something. And notoriously, when Americans go and shoot over in Italy, and I think, Zach, we discussed this on Terrorvision way back in season one, uh, it'll be infuriating to the directors who are rolling sound, because that's how we do it here. And then, you know, the the best boys and the gaffers and the grips, they all work at full, you know, hammer and everything in the background because they're used to not rolling sound. So it's definitely something for uh, American, you know, filmmakers have to get used to when they go over there. (laughs) Can you imagine on that set they're all turning? What is this guy doing with a microphone? Who the hell do you think he is? Huh? I've got, I've got to hang this carpet over here. Yeah. You know, whatever. I've got to hammer yeah. this nail in. I'm trying to work over here, and you're hey. standing with the microphone. <laughs> What's it the problem? <laughs> it's a me, the gaffer. Just trying to do my job. And we're meatball. canceled. <laughs> hey, I'm Italian. I'm Italian. I can do that. So, I can do that. I'm Italian. So Cheryl wants uh, wants to. Well, they're meeting. Kathy's meeting Cheryl to go to class together. Uh, Cheryl shows her the tickets and suspects the sneak preview since there's no movie title on it. Kathy said she's never heard of the Metropole, and Cheryl suspects maybe it's a new theater. Cheryl wants to skip class with Kathy and check out the movie. Sometimes you really worry me, Cheryl. You're leading us astray. A lot of foreshadowing in the dialogue. Very easy foreshadowing. And Kathy, I want to piggyback on what you guys said earlier. Kathy is my favorite, too. She's my favorite, too. And Metropole, by the way. Uh, David, what's your history? Metropole is all over your books. Funny story about the Metropole. I actually, um, well, I love this book. I love this film, and uh, I stole the name and logo of the Metropole. And I use that for my own uh, publishing house. I put all my books out with. I've got Metropole Films and Metropole Books. But something else, um, in 2000, I think it's about 2005, 2006, I got a job um, to film Berlin Fashion Week, just to do behind the scenes and all this kind of stuff. And I went there and did it, and I was there for a couple of weeks, and it was just a thing that happened, and it was all fast-paced, and we're going here, we're going there. And we went to a nightclub one night, and while we were there, I was looking at it from outside and I was like, oh, yeah, for some reason, this place looks familiar to me. This place looks familiar to me. Oh, never mind. And I carried on and we went, we went in there and I left and just hung around Berlin. And about five years later, I found out it was the actual Metropole building from, from Demons. Wow. It was, yeah, I was there. I was outside. I was in it. And I didn't even realize I had no idea. And I, I regret not knowing to this day. Because I would have taken a lot of time to really enjoy that moment and get some really good pictures of it. But I've right. actually been there. I've been to that Metropole. I think it was called Goya or something when I went there. It was They changed the name of it. Um, I think it's been a few things. But it was definitely a nightclub that I went to. It was mid-2000, uh, early, yeah, 2005, 2006, something like that. 
So yeah, I, I could awesome. I, I I could cry not knowing that I was there. But I've been there. It's so close. I mean, I, I assume the inside is mostly a set, or did they actually film? Yeah, it, it didn't. It, I don't think it looked like that inside. Like, it, thinking... I, I, it was a long time ago now. It's like nearly 10 years ago, and I've got snippets in my mind of what it looked like. But I, de I definitely remember, because there's something next to it, like a, a garage or a petrol station or something. And when I think back to what it was outside, and like these bollards outside, it was like, yeah, it was 100% that place. Because it kind of stands out, because it was old, oldie-worldy compared to... Everything around it is modernised. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was yeah. like a, just an old building in in, in Berlin. And, um, yeah, it was... I don't remember the inside. Well, if I'd have gone inside and there would have been a, a dirt bike and a, and a, and a mask and a, and a samurai sword, I'd have gone, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I know. <laughs> but there, 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 was, there was nothing... It, I, I'm pretty damn sure most of that was sets. Maybe not the stairs. I think the stairs and things like that. There was a lot of stairs in there. Yeah, so, in the theater yes. and stuff. They probably yeah. maybe it was another tunnels. theater. Um, I think it was a theater. I think originally it was a theater that got turned okay. into a nightclub, then turned back into a theater again. And I went there during this weird period of it being a nightclub, um, and that's why I didn't really click or cotton onto it being like the Demons Metropole, really. And Zach, when we saw the um, Prince of Darkness Church, uh, now that's yes. been converted to a theater, um, uh, more like a stage theater. But they do have movies there. The inside wasn't the same, really, was it? Like it was kind of renovated no. and everything. Yeah, they renovated it. There were, I guess, certain pieces that were the same, but most of it was renovated. Yeah. Yeah, it was still cool though. I mean, it looks the same on the outside, which is I sure did yeah, amazing. Cut to the Metropole, and we see the sign turn on outside, and the lights come on. Inside the lobby, there's a display of a mannequin dressed in leather, holding a sword with a metal demon mask, riding atop a dirt bike, like a motorized dirt bike. We also see Ingrid, uh, Nicoletta Elmi, getting ready in the mirror. And again, you know, I I've always had a problem with her character because I never understood if she was a part of this because the idea that this theater is, is the the thing that causes everything it's like how did it hire her and she kind of gets these shots that make her look like she's a part of it and that she's it's like ominous but then once shit hits the fan she's in the same boat as everybody else so i guess it's just you know she's just a worker that got maybe enticed or brought in um wish they would explain that kind of stuff but at the same time david like you said it's a dream logic thing and you kind of just you kind of just roll with it, and that's just what you expect, sort of, from movies of this ilk. I think when I first watched it the first couple of times, like I say, when I was a teenager, I, I was thinking there was something more going on there that I didn't quite understand. But I just don't think you're supposed to understand it. I yeah, think you could overthink no. this thing to, to hell and I back. Agree. And like every, everything you said, Corey, makes complete sense because that's that's all we've given. When we're, we're not given, I mean. You get the first shot of her when you pan up from her pulling on her tights and you see her legs and it's being filmed in a mirror and there's like slime dripping down the mirror and, and it, it doesn't, even visually, it doesn't really add up to say she's some kind of supernatural entity or she's, she's anything. And like I say, by the end of it, she is just uh, someone trying to survive from the demons as well. So it's it, it's it's... If you wanted to look more into it, I'm sure you could, but I just don't think it's there. I just yeah. think she's... You can't even say she's a red herring. 
to to something because it just feels like she's part of something but you just it's never explored what that is and it's only because there's like a couple shots of like her looking back and it's maybe seems like she's knowingly you know looking at something but that's Mm. it that's and then if you didn't have those shots you would just assume she was a worker there. Well, she has a, a knowing smirk, doesn't she? Yeah, a few times yeah. when she sees the mask, when she yeah. sees the mask being, but you see her looking over her shoulder with that the the the, the kind of uh, snidey smile on her face, like oh now now it's started, but it do, but ultimately it does it doesn't lead to anything. But I don't feel cheated. That it doesn't lead to anything. It's just it's just part of a bigger tapestry. Just something we can sit here and debate and talk about it and come up with what ifs. But it's just I think it's better just being that. I kind of like it. it's pure. Just you put the mask on. I'd hate it if they try to explain this like there was a cult or there was a conspiracy and they've been putting this thing together to bring back the. De- I think it would just weigh the film down into unnecessary territory, and it's. Yeah. I, I I think it's fine the way it is. It's just she's just something there to be there really yeah especially since this movie it's like it's a fun movie it's not you don't think hard into it that you're not supposed to you're just supposed to have a good time hooting and hollering for it you know um but you know we are going through the whole movie scene by scene and these are you know questions that do come up usually every time i i watch it so you know I, i would like to get them out there but i'm with you david i don't think we're supposed to delve too deep into this movie at all to be honest with you no 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 definitely not i think when you when you say about it's a fun ride you think about the church was going to be demons 3 and the church is a good film but it's definitely not a fun ride i wouldn't say it was fun i think a lot of it's kind of bogged down it's kind of miserable that whole beginning scene where the peasant village gets decimated and you're seeing animals getting killed and people getting killed and it is it doesn't have the sense of fun like demons one or two has and i can't really see how that would have been a good addition as an official demons film so i think it's i think this is this is fun in the same way not return of the living dead is fun yeah and i think that's what it yeah. should be it's fine it's yeah. absolutely fine yeah i was um only actually a couple of weeks ago that i learned that the church was an originally a demons three script and i floated to zach uh maybe at some point next year we'll cover the church just to kind of button this whole thing up you know oh, and everything cory baby you need to be a real man and do demons three the ogre that's the <laughs> one you really need to do. <laughs> well, maybe maybe we'll do be a both. man maybe yeah. next halloween we'll do both <laughs> we'll do every version man, of Dad. demons three we can find yeah <laughs> uh outside the metropole cheryl and kathy arrive with their tickets in hand kathy is worried it'll be a horror movie she hates those sarah cheryl says she'll hold her hand if it's scary we see more people arrive with tickets in hand. Inside the theater, an older couple is remarking that the building was closed for years. The owners must have spent a small fortune renovating it. The wife says, how come I never noticed it? And the husband remarks that she never notices anything. She begs him not to start up with that shit. It's their anniversary. <laughs> he says, so what? I'm taking you to a show. What else do you want? Ingrid takes their tickets. Zach, are you? Is this going to be you and Kristen in like forty years? Oh God, I hope not. I hope this not. guy's a real piece of shit. Yeah, this guy is such a douchebag. I, I love it when he's watching the film and there's someone getting stabbed to death, and he takes his jacket off like he's really making a meal out of it, enjoying that moment. He's, and he's he transfixed on. at the screen, like, yeah, check this shit out. He's just and and and. I think he says to his wife, I think it's either twice or three times, he turns around to her and goes, shut up. 
<laughs> I think I think it's at least twice. I think it's at least as he tells her to shut up, which is. Uh, I mean, they're, they're stereotypes that work. It's just like you see them, and it's like, yeah, they, immediately you get the dynamic. It's like, yeah, this guy's an asshole to his wife, uh, and you know the relationship from just, and it, and it works. You, you accept it, and you accept their characters. Like we know what they are immediately. They exist. They, they exist. exist. Yeah, these people exist. Yeah, unfortunately, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. Unfortunately, for a reason. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Next walks in Hannah Fior Argento and her boyfriend Tommy uh, Guido Baldi. They hand their tickets to Ingrid and walk into the lobby where we see George Urbano Berberini, Berberini and Ken Carlzini admiring the dirt bike display. George fantastic. and Ken. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> That's the line. George That's and Ken look over and see Cheryl and Kathy having a hard time with the soda machine. They walk over and George hits the machine, causing a can of Coke to fall out. Cheryl thanks him and, and smiles, but Kathy wants no part of the dynamic duo. I thought you said you hate to miss the start of the movie. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. It's fine, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. We could dub that straight over demons to move in. Well. Right. <laughs> we see an older blind man, Werner, Alex, Sarah, being led by a younger blonde lady, uh, Liz, who is maybe his daughter. Um, let's let, let me just explain it real quick, and then I'll kind of say the maybe thing. Uh, Warner reaches out and touches the demon mask on the dirt bike display and is startled. He tells Liz not to touch it, but when he reaches back for the mask, it's gone. Now, I always thought that she was just like his, you know, maybe caregiver or something, because she always refers to him as Warner. But then when I was looking it up online, because another thing when I was breaking this movie down, trying to figure out everyone's names and you try to cross reference IMDb and stuff. And now if they do have a, an image, it's not the same person in the movie. You know, it's like, oh, my God. So half of my breakdown battle was trying to figure out names. And I wound up going to like the demons Wikipedia. And they said that Liz is Warner's daughter. And I never picked up on that ever zach did you no i thought she was like his caretaker or something yeah yeah i kind of that was her sugar daddy (laughs) possibly maybe (laughs) i don't know it's a weird relationship because the way she acts she i mean you could kind of see it if it was his daughter maybe he's very possessive and he doesn't want to see men I mean, we're just dragging stuff into this, and he would act that way. But it, it also, the way their relationships played out, if you'd have said they're in a relationship together, it would have worked as well. Yeah, that's it almost like I well. thought that's yeah. what it was. First, I was like, oh, yeah. maybe they're in this like relationship, sugar daddy thing, like Zach said, and then, and then it's like, okay, maybe it's a caregiver thing, but like never in my mind was father daughter the, <laughs> the idea. No, I, no, no, no. From the way she acts, you would think they're in a relationship together. You'd think like it's it's a secret she's trying to keep, and then it's the guy. Is for some reason I haven't looked at the IMDb or anything else, but is he is his name Bruno? I don't know why I keep thinking that guy's name is Bruno. Uh, which the one, one? The she's... blind one? No, the other guy. The other guy who oh, walks in the. I, yeah. I I don't know offhand, but I refer to him as her ugly gentleman caller the entire he's time. Very ugly. So uh, that's that's accurate. Yeah, look for yeah. that. Um, and you know, obviously he's a blind man at a movie theater. Uh, the director Lumberto Bava said that this is meant to be a very obvious joke. 
um, that a blind guy would go to a movie. So I think this also sets up the the tongue-in-cheek humor that is in this movie pretty well. Yeah, and, and totally offensive in today's uh, landscape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a funny because he's blind. You get it? You oh, get it. You get it? <laughs> Have I been cancelled? You've been cancelled. <laughs> you do know why he's a blind, yeah? Because <laughs> he was a jerking off. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a Pee-wee Herman, you know? He's sitting no, there. No, don't be smirched, Pee-wee. <laughs> good name. He's good name, okay. His backstory is the last time he was in a movie theater, he could see. <laughs> and, then, and now he's a blind, and I think you can j- jump to conclusions. <laughs> There's a lot of to-ing and fro-ing down the stairs, you know? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So it was a fun little cut because when he goes to reach for the mask, it's gone. And then we see Rosemary, played by Goretta Goretta, is putting it on her face. She turns around and tries to scare Carmen, Fabiola Toledo, and Tony, Bobby Rhodes, with it. She says, and this is weird because the subtitle said it as well. She goes, do you like it, Bobby? But Bobby's the actor's name. The character's name is Tony. And you can hear it, too. She says Bobby. Did anyone else pick up on that? I've never picked up on that. I've never picked up on that. That's really funny. I've never picked up on that. Zach, I know you watched it with subtitles. You saw that too? I did too. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's a flub. A flub that they even brought into the subtitles. (laughs) We don't have time to go back and fix things. Just just put it out there. (laughs) So yeah, so that's, again, another just fun tapestry that is this movie. Um, Ingrid looks back at them and uh, cracks a smile. This is what we were sort of talking about before that it seems like she knows something but it doesn't really lead anywhere tony tells her to cut it out and rosemary takes the mask off but it looks like the metal cut her on the cheek and he says that'll teach you to touch things tony says as he puts the mask back in the theater everyone is getting into their seats those chairs look mighty uncomfortable kiss your back goodbye (laughs) and your butt there's like no patties (laughs) the worst um the worst dude i mean i love that we live in a world of stadium seating but i used to go see movies at the dga and they do not have stadium seating there so like it was just like man i was like we've come so far in life with stadium seating now well we we still have the seats they're in demons we still have seats like that over here seriously there's a there's a really That's nice cool. cin- there's a really nice cinema near me called the Dome and um, of all films I went to see there um, all I went and got um, uh, what do you call it not podium seats the what do they call the seats around the top my brain's blanking oh like the balcony, balcony seats, seats. Yeah. yeah balcony seats yeah, yeah. and um, I got the balcony seats and they are though even in the balconies they've got those seats and uh, of all films that I watched in excruciating pain was Halloween Ends. <laughs> and I sat up there, yeah. and, 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 and the gap between the balcony and the chair, because I'm really tall, um, I probably, my, my knees were just pressed against the balcony and I was oh. kind of sitting there at contorted angles trying to... And I mean, the oh. fi- if the film was good, I probably could have put up with the pain. But because the film was irritating me and the, and the chairs were irritating me and the balcony was irritating me, I think it all added to the experience. So Very much it- so. What was the theater that we saw Tron downtown LA? That's the uh, Ace Hotel, and that and... was Blade Runner theater or something. Wasn't that used for Blade Runner? Yeah, and you know a lot of the theaters down here that are not AMC are are that style of seats, but they put more cushion for your cushion. For your pushing, for your tushing. Yep. 
and it's a little bit more tolerable but still yeah it's it's brutal it's brutal it's not fun it's not fun or funny <laughs> it's not sexy jack <laughs> it's not <laughs> All right, so everyone's going to their horribly uncomfortable seats. Uh, George and Ken decide to sit right next to Cheryl and Kathy, even though there's a lot of other open seats around them. The lights go down and the movie starts to play. We hear a voice say, The sleep of reason gives birth to monsters. As Motley Crue's Save Our Souls plays. I need to add something. Do you remember I said earlier on, when the, when the, the very first shot of the film? Yeah. The oh, two the headlights. Yeah, and then and the motorcycle then it headlights. Then cuts to the film within the film. Yeah, ah. it starts again. Yeah, yeah, with the two headlights. Wow. So it's so funny with all the gaffes, you know, in this movie that are kind of silly. Then it does like genius things like that, you know? There's another genius thing with the lights immediately after that because you cut to. It's kind of the bleeding from reality, quote unquote, to film reality. And another cut, if you look at it right now is you get the panning shot along the group of the four of like George and Cheryl and everyone and uh, and it goes with Ingrid with this flashlight and as right. she walks down she turns with the flashlight and as she shines it into the screen our screen into the camera you cut and the point where the flashlight is it cuts to the motorcycle headlight again and it's like the bleeding of those two realities okay. through that yeah, shot that, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very clever the way they do it that's some good editing right there it's for it's really this is what I mean. It's doing sophisticated stuff that Wes Craven has to have all this meta crap in where it's like, Have you seen that movie Halloween with that guy with a white mask? Oh my god, it's like real life now. And with this you get just these really <laughs> you get these really good edits. You get some really good filmmaking and good editing to blend fantasy and reality together. They do it really well in this. It's and it's so well you don't even notice it. So well you don't even notice it. You just no, accept it and move on. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. And the editing was by Piero Bosa, and um, and he did it on a God. block of wood with a knife. And and Franco Fraticelli, uh, both worked with Argento, so okay. it's Argento's guys. Yeah, yeah. I imagine yeah. a lot of yeah the behind the scenes guys are all Argento's. Spielberg people. Hooper, Spielberg Hooper. Yeah, it's, it's it's that kind of thing. It's just like you direct it, but you know, guess who's running the show, baby? Yeah. Right. But I freaking love uh, Save Our Souls. Great song by Molly oh. Crew. Yeah, perfect. Hey, everybody. Co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a second and say thank you to all of our Patreon members who help support the show. Each month, they get access to The Carpenter Factor, Wrap Up After Dark, and all kinds of other fun, exclusive content. You can sign up for our Patreon over at patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark. Again, that's patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. Other ways you can help support the show and help us grow is leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We also have a merch store where you can pick up a t-shirt or two, as well as some other fun items. You can find every link to our podcatchers, to our merch store, to Patreon, everything at podcastingafterdark.com. That's podcastingafterdark.com. Now back to the show. Everyone watches intently as Ingrid walks through the theater with her flashlight uh, looking for, I guess, miscreants. In the movie, a group of 20-somethings, two guys and two girls, drive their motorcycles to an abandoned castle at night. They explore the grounds and come across a cemetery. One of the girls reads an inscription that says, They will make cemeteries their cathedrals and tombs your cities. One of the guys says that according to legend, Nostradamus was buried here. He says that Nostradamus predicted a bunch of things that came true. The discovery of Neptune and Uranus, 
Hitler, World Wars, and the coming of the demons. One of the girls says that the last one hasn't happened yet, and the guy says, not yet. There's still time. Corey, you forgot one you forgot one important line in that whole part. What was it? Uranus? I said it. <laughs> Nostradamus sounds like a rap group to me. <laughs> <laughs> that get that is that is do you know the perfect thing about this? This honestly feels... Have you guys ever seen Graveyard Disturbance? A Lamberto Barva film. Have you ever seen that one? No, no, I don't think so. The, the film within a film feels like a Lamberto Barva film rather than a Dario Argento film. And I think that's quite clever. And the dialogue, that stupid dialogue, we're like, Nastradamus, it sounds like a rap group to me. That is the kind of dialogue you're literally dealing with in Graveyard Disturbance. So it feels, it feels, and the setup is pretty similar. They just go to an old graveyard and there's weird shit that's going on there. It feels like a Lamberto Barva film. And something that starts to happen now with the lighting, if you look at it, it's super, super, super subtle. But the lighting slowly starts to build in the theatre to more Argento colours. It slowly okay. builds. You start getting more of the reds and the Suspiria blues, that kind of colour palette starts slowly bleeding into it. And the the moment when uh, Rosemary leaves and he, and it hits the yellow, uh, the, the bathroom's really yellow, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is, obviously, yellow is giallo. That's, yeah. uh, it's that kind of thing. So we go in there, then the horror starts in there. And when, who's the girl that I like? I can't think of her name. Rosemary's oh, Carmen. Friend. When Carmen gets it in a second, when she leaves there, if you look at the colour palette, that slow bleed into those Argento reds and blues, it hits full Argento. It's full Suspiria colours then. Really deep, rivid, ne- neon uh, reds and blues. It's it's very clever. If you look at it, if you just just sit there and watch it and take and just think about that, those colours, there's definitely a build-up to, like, there's this reality we've created... There's the the rea- there's the film on screen which is like a, a Lamberto Barva film, and then by watching that Lamberto Barva film, like this cursed film, slowly the reality starts to change into an Argento film through color and, and mood. It's it, it, there's a lot going on there. Uh, there's a lot going on there. That's I mean I didn't pick up on any of that, but that's fucking amazing. Yeah, it's it's it, honestly if you just go back and watch it, and the second when she gets scratched and leaves that that bathroom, you go from that yellow bathroom. You bang, you're straight into vivid Suspiria colours. It go that's where, where so that it's like Dario Argento's come on just injected himself into this project full force. Now now we're into the horror, now we're into the Argento. Okay. Awesome. Very cool. Thanks. I'm buddy. That's why you're on here, my man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, if there was a hip hop rapper named Nostradamus, I'd probably buy his album. <laughs> and you know what? He would yeah. know you would buy his album too. Oh. His debut album entitled I Know. (laughs) His debut album entitled I Know Zach's Gonna Buy This. (laughs) (laughs) In the theater, Kathy gets anxious. She hates horror movies. George says to Cheryl that if uh, if she gets scared, she can hold his hand. The old man who hates his wife tells them to shut up. (laughs) Shut up. This is it. This is it. Shut up. This is where it begins. There's a few I know. more of them. And he's so yeah. into it. He's so into Amazing. it. Amazing. This is where he takes his jacket off. He's yeah. making a meal out of this. This is, I took you to a show, didn't I? Check this out. Look at this guy getting a knife in his neck. <laughs> Stick your hand in the popcorn box. <laughs> I cut There's out a, a hole prize in the at the bottom. 
the blind man, Warner, asks Liz to tell him what's happening on screen. She tells them that they are going down into the crypt and it's dark. He asks if the characters are scared and she says that they are. We see Carmen and Rosemary light up cigarettes, but Ingrid flashes her light on them and says, smoking isn't allowed inside. They fake put out the cigarettes and go back to smoking once Ingrid leaves. The hateful old man looks back and says, whores. You can tell them a mile away. <laughs> I'm sure the writer wanted to say something else, but they probably were like, whores is safer. <laughs> on the on the American dub of this, on the US dub of this, he turns around and he goes, hookers, I knew it. They change his line for some reason. Oh, so, and I guess it should be noted that I, I know Zach and I did because we both have the same Blu-ray. We watched the international English version, but not the quote-unquote American cut, which I think is about like six minutes shorter. This one was about, uh, what, Zach, about an hour and 28 minutes, and I think the English one is yeah. about an hour and 22. Yeah. 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 And, and just so everyone knows, the international version of uh, Hookers is whores. So, you know. so it's accurate. <laughs> yes. So, you know, there's knitters out there that are called hookers. They're people who like knit. I believe they're called hookers uh, because they use the hook. They're whores. <laughs> and <laughs> that's one to grow on. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Back in the movie, the two couples explore the crypt further. Ooh. <laughs> I want to explore your crypt. In the upper row. Warner asks if Liz is scared. That was a little weirdly sexual. He's like, are you scared? He's sexual the whole time. Oh, are they scared? Oh, are you wet? That's your daughter. Do you kid. know how I went blind? <laughs> she says that she is. As they're watching the movie, a man slowly walks up and sits down next to, next to Liz on the other side without Warner noticing. You know that dude's probably got some terrible uh, cologne on. You know Warner can smell that shit. Because, you know, he's like Daredevil. (laughs) Because he's like Daredevil. Yeah, kind of. The Italian Daredevil. He's Diddle Devil. Diddle Devil! (laughs) There you go. Good one. I knew it, Zach. I knew we'd get something good soon. (laughs) I'm efficient. Downstairs, Ingrid breaks up Hannah and Tommy as they're making out why they're not this isn't like fucking a high school you know you know gymnasium thing or something i was like okay who gives a shit let them make out um back on the second level liz is making out with her gentleman caller as he feels her up warner has no idea i bet he does and he's probably getting off on it in the movie the two couples discover nostradamus's tomb as they start opening it a headstone falls over and breaks in the theater, George and Cheryl hold hands when they are startled, but then let go and he apologizes. Kathy looks over and says, Cheryl, if I have a heart attack, it's your fault. Ken gets up and walks over and sits next to her. Back on the screen, the two guys open Nostradamus's tomb, but instead of finding a body, they find a book and a metal demon mask like the one in the lobby that Rosemary put on and it cut her cheek. One of the guys starts reading the book at <laughs> reading the book. It says here that demons are the instruments of evil. And as he's reading it, the other guy says, trick or treat, and puts the mask on. Don't do that. Whoever wears it becomes a demon. The guy who puts the mask on says, how do you know that? The other guy says, it says here, 
whoever wears it becomes a demon. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, man, that's the worst dialogue ever, but I love it. Yeah, but I do, do it. you think, think it's, it's totally intentional because it's the film within a film? Do you think it's actually yeah. being that clever? Or I, I think, I think maybe. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Zacho, what do I you agree. think, buddy? No, I agree. I, I think it's hilarious. It's like, right here on page 39. It says what I just said. (laughs) That's funny. I I, I saw this in the theater when Arrow did the first uh, Blu-ray release of it in about 2013. And the place just broke down in laughter for that. You have to. That hit. That hit good for that screening of Demons. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's it's perfect. I I think it knows exactly what its humor level is and where to put it. I don't think these humorous moments, like, I don't think that's a bad script thing. I think that's mm. intentional. I think that that was in- intentional to make a laugh there. Are you having a laugh now, laddie? And <laughs> David's like, now, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> now is the time that you laugh. You're allowed to laugh for now. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Dario. In the theater, Tony laughs and says to Rosemary, now we know why you look so good in it. When the guy on the movie screen takes the mask off, it cuts his face, just like it did with Rosemary. As his wound starts bleeding, so does Rosemary's cut. She gets up to go to the bathroom and clean her wound while Tony and Carmen stay and watch the movie. In the bathroom, Rosemary tries to clean the cut in the sink, but it starts pussing and pulsating. She screams as it explodes, splashing blood and goo all over the sink. Great effect, by the way. So gross. Uh, you know, there's not too much body horror in this movie, but when the, when it does happen, I think it's done very, very well. I remember watching this for the first time, and we didn't know what to expect from this film. We knew there were going to be demons, but when this happened, I just remember that groan from everyone in that living room when we was watching this. Just, oof. It, it, it works. It works now, and... and it works in his favor, being the prosthetic effect, because you can kind of see when she moves around that that yeah. cheek isn't. Yeah. But she plays this very well, and you can it just kind of looks like the the cheek is infected and going rigid with something in there. It it her her acting with that effect makes that effect work really well. You believe it. You really believe mm-hmm. that moment. And I believe it's uh, Sergio Stivaletti. Who did the special effects for Cemetery Man also. Oh. I didn't realize there was so much connection with Cemetery Man to this. Oh, yeah. Big time. Okay. Well, we'll dive into those connections. Uh, Zach and I will be uh, reviewing Cemetery Man as soon as the uh, the 4K Blu-ray. Uh, I think uh, is Vinegar Syndrome's putting that one out, I believe. I believe so. So, And I, and I know Rob will be uh, waiting for that one with, with bated breath. Or Synapse, or one of those boutique companies. Yeah, uh, David, I have that shameless copy as well. Yeah. Um, it's, I think the transfer on that thing is atrocious. You can't see jack shit. The darks are just so damn dark. It was the only option for a very long time. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the yellow case. I think the the cover in the yellow case is great. <laughs> yeah. But but man, I was I have been. Very that sounded like a really bad Amazon review. I love the I, case. Dude, I've been... <laughs> I was so disappointed when I watched it. I was like, this is trash. Yeah. yeah. I, I got... Originally, I got a German version of it, uh, of uh, Cemetery Man. I ordered in. And that was... I think I still have it somewhere. And that was... I couldn't believe what I bought. It was a VHS rip on Blu-ray. 
and that's oh. that was shocking that was really bad that was i mean atrocious. honestly that's what it looks like on that the uh, shameless one it just looks like a VHS no that rip. that looks better that looks that's more Oof. like laser disc the, v- Oof, the the other one right. i had was wall okay Oof. well someone got ripped bring, off bring on that me. 4k man i, I can't yeah. wait because i have a lot yeah. to say about that movie uh there was about six months of my life where i only wore black slacks a white button-down shirt and a black jacket that's how obsessed i was with that movie and the dylan dog comic books but we'll get into all that when we talk about cemetery man but i'm excited never knew that there was these connections and everything i was i was so obsessed with demons i started dressing like a pimp from the 70s what can i say it's just it's just one of those moments in life cutting my face up and letting pus fill it yeah. yeah 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 i started actively trying to grow acne so it would pop on my face and i'd look like a demon I, I was i was walking around like a blind man and yeah, yeah. letting Let, women lead me around yeah. letting, letting people diddle your daughter yes <laughs> yes as rosemary is screaming we cut to the movie and one of the girls is screaming as her boyfriend takes a knife to the stomach that was another good edit i liked this uh transition here he falls over dead, and everyone in the theater is shocked. Hannah is in Tommy's arms, asking if the scene is over. He says she can look now. Tony wonders what happened to Rosemary. Carmen says she'll go check on her, and, she, and he spanks her ass and tells her not to disappear, too. As the movie gets more tense, the older married woman tells her piece-of-shit husband that she'll be up all night after this. His response? Will you shut up? <laughs> sure (laughs) what a guy carmen walks into the bathroom and yells for rosemary she sees the blood in the sink and calls out for her friend carmen hears a noise coming from one of the stalls and goes to investigate it she slowly opens the door and sees rosemary huddled in the corner facing the wall carmen asks if she's okay and rosemary turns around and we see she's a demon now her eyes are red she has long claws and neon green slime is dripping out of her mouth uh, she, they also have, like, these red veins on their faces, too, which is really cool. Carmen screams and runs for the door, but Rosemary scratches her neck as she runs into the lobby. One of the female characters screams in the movie as the killer closes in on her. Man, these are some deep gashes Carmen gets. Ugh. She gets it, it it's bad. It's brutal. That, yeah, yeah. You feel it. You feel it. When that scene happens, you really wince. That's uh, They do a good job selling this. The, the actors do a good job working with these practical effects. You believe everything in this scene when she gets scratched that, that was another scene where I, I remember sitting there watching that when that happened you heard in the room that oh again like geez that she got it good and this is where the lighting changes as soon as she runs out of that bathroom you hit the argento lighting if you go back no and watch, you're right it's, yeah it's really it's really those and these demons are obviously blues. oh sorry sorry no, go, go. and these yeah and these demons are highly influential on you know i was thinking like the convent was clearly playing an homage to that and uh, i think g versus e actually played a little bit on these demon looking things uh with their demons in their show too but demon night tales from the crypt yeah totally yeah and obviously we can probably talk about evil dead uh deadites and everything like that um now i watched both of these with myra and there's a lot that she liked about them but they didn't quite really hit with her and i think one of the things that she wanted was them to be a bit more fun like the deadites in an evil dead 
and they don't really ever kind of go that realm. Now, I don't mind. I, I think this movie kind of carves out its own thing, but I do see that, like, you know, you're watching this now, post-Evil Dead world, the Deadites are really fun, and I've always enjoyed that about them, how maniacal they are. These, I, I do wish maybe there was just a sprinkle of maniacalness to them. There's no real personality in between each demon. They're just like hive mind. They, they even with zombies, you get a bit of personality, uh, and from each one. So I look at uh, Big Daddy in Land of the Dead. He's a right. prime example. Yeah, he he is something more than just a hive mind zombie. But for me, I think the thing that got me, you do get a bit of personality with Greta's demon because she is extremely nasty and she's always giggling she's yes. laughing when she when she per- pokes out werner's eyes and stuff she's <laughs> and you get that, that 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 like impish uh devious machiavellian sort of nastiness with the stuff that she's doing and um she's the only one that really gets that but i think that's the thing that terrifying when i talk about apocalyptic anxiety i think that's what this really played into because like with Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, apart from the main ape in that, I think it's Caesar in that one, um, they are pretty much all just in those uniforms. Like, there are apes and they want to take over us. And I think that's what I didn't like about this. There's like this no personality. The lack of eyes is something that really got me. You take away, you just give them those glowing eyes. And I mean, people say like, eyes are the window to the soul. And that's really true. You you have something to connect to. That's why you get so much Uncanny Valley CGI when you have these things and there's no no way you can connect to it on a human level because it doesn't have human eyes. Yeah, and I yeah. think taking the eyes away for these demons, I think that that it did make it more terrifying for me because they were just these kind of like alien, kind of like alien. These 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 things, these parasitic things that just exist to kill, like is this horrible, unstoppable menace. And I think the scratch is more effective and relatable than the zombie bite in a way. Because it mm-hmm. takes, it would take a lot if you was in one-on-one combat with something and it wanted to bite you. You'd have a good chance of that th- of a but fight against one that scratch, thing. You one know? scratch, or yeah, even and, having and, the blood get in you. You know, like it does yeah. with sort of Hannah later. Because I don't think yeah. there's any scratches for her. Yeah, it's like you're you're fucked if you engage one of these things. You're ninety-nine percent chance you're fucked yeah. at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, and then they 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 really do feel like. Uh, a deadly parasite on legs. Yeah. They really do. Like like they were saying, like they're a plague, like the Nostradamus thing, they're a plague that take over. Yeah, they do feel like a plague. They really do feel like a plague. Um, and I think that's what kind of sets them apart from zom- other zombies, uh, from zombies and other demons uh, on film, shall I say. Yeah. Or even the Deadites, for that matter. Even the Deadites, yeah, yeah. Back in the really real world, now as a Crow reference, a, fr- a frantic and wounded Carmen is trying to get back into the theater proper, but is trapped in the curtains between the lobby and the viewers. I kind of had to explain that so y'all would understand if you haven't seen it. Uh, her screams for help are masked by the screams in the movie as one of the female characters is stabbed to death. Carmen finds her way out of the cur- curtains and back into the lobby area. She runs down the hall with Demon Rosemary in hot pursuit. Carmen ducks behind a door and she thinks she loses her pursuer in the process. Cut to the balcony seats, and we see Warner is alone. Liz is no longer sitting next to him. He calls out for her, but there's no reply. We see she's behind the balcony curtains, and Liz is getting hot and heavy with her gentleman caller. Hot and heavy was a uh, Seinfeld reference. 
<laughs> that and I put that one in for Zach. <laughs> Cut to Carmen running to the theater and ending up behind the movie screen. She looks up and sees the movie playing. Back on the balcony, Warner is frantically calling for Liz. She stops making out and she says she has to go. He knows we're here. But she instead goes back to kissing her ugly man. Just then, we see Demon Rosemary's head pop out of the curtain and look over at them. They don't see her, though. Behind the movie screen, Carmen's womb starts bubbling and oozing. This was a gross effect right here. Kind of like Rosemary's did in the bathroom. Yeah. As the actress in the movie is attacked with a knife by the killer cutting her through a tent. The screams in the movie match Carmen's screams. People in the theater start to suspect something is amiss. Carmen starts frantically pushing her way through the movie screen as the audience watches. This is a really cool shot because the movie's still being projected. Kathy says the screams sound real, but Carl thinks it's just the Dolby system. Come on, it's that Dolby system, guys. <laughs> it's not ultra checks. <laughs> what about ultra stereo? It would sound even better with ultra stereo. That ultra stereo. Ultra stereo. Maybe. The THX reminds me, Zach, of the uh, the. There was like a Simpsons bit where the thing comes on and the and then the thing gets oh, so yeah. high and then people's heads explode. Basically, yeah, that, yeah, that's funny. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just it's just the Dolby system. As the killer in the movie slices through the tent, this is awesome. Carmen slices through the screen and falls onto the ground in front of the audience. So she literally comes out of the same hole that he was slashing through in the movie. Everyone on the ground floor of the theater rushes to her aid, with George and Ken getting there first. Upstairs on the balcony level, Rosemary uses a rope to strangle both Liz and her ugly gentleman caller at the same time while they kiss. Do you think Liz deserved it? Who'd you play? I played ugly gentleman caller. (laughs) According to Podcasting After Dark. Cut to Tony running up to Carmen. Will you people get out of my way? Holy shit, she's a friend of mine. (laughs) (laughs) He examines her wounds and determines that there's some kind of madman loose in the theater. Everyone starts to panic. Cheryl tells Kathy this is all her fault. She never should have suggested coming to the screening. Kathy looks up at the smiling demon on the screen and says it's happening just like in the movie. We cut to Tony looking over Carmen when he notices her fingernails start to pulse, pulsate and giant demon nails burst through them. Oh. Son of a bitch! Shit! Ken turns around and tells George to look at her transformation. The finger, the fingernails coming out look fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah. Slowly, Carmen starts to look up. Her eyes are now red like the demon on the movie screen and, Ro- and Rosemary's as well. Green slime comes out of her mouth as she growls. A giant tongue comes out of her mouth and everyone is in shock. Uh, that effect wasn't as good, and I don't think it was quite as necessary, but I like the one where her teeth start falling out. Oh, the, the close-ups all on the disturbing. teeth are perfect. Yeah, the close-ups yeah. on the teeth. I thought that when I watched it the other day. I thought they were really good, yeah. those close-up yeah. shots. I've, if you, on my Instagram, there's a picture of me when I went to Italy and I went to um, Profondo Rosso, the Dario Gento store. With that effect, um, there's a picture of me in the basement with that actual ah. movie prop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, um, I've been. He's got a dungeon underneath the shop with different archways, and they've got special effects from different films, and they've got like a phenomena uh, archway and an opera archway. And they've got demons one and two, and for demons one, they've got they've got Carmen, that puppet of her on the floor coming through the screen. 
Oh, that's Demons cool. Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go, yeah, it's on my Instagram. It's totally up there, like me next to the thing. And I've got, I've got the biggest smile on my face that I think anyone's ever seen before. <laughs> uh, and for the Demons Two, they've got the demon. Do you remember the demon under the um, Iron Girder at the beginning? Yeah. He's got the scratches. Yeah, he's in the Demons Two. Uh, okay. Thing that demon. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, no, this is all. This is really the close-up effects. I think are the best, like the nails mm. and the teeth and stuff like that. Just then, Liz's ugly man drops from the balcony and hangs in the theater by a rope around his neck. Everyone starts screaming. We see Carmen's teeth getting pushed out by the demon teeth behind them. Tony says, we got to get out of here. Everyone starts running to the lobby, but the asshole old married man gets his throat ripped out by demon Carmen. Thank fucking God. Yeah, that was good. That was a good, uh, satisfying kill. I agree. And a well done effect, too. Agreed. Yeah. Kind of funny though, wasn't it? His whole thing was sitting on the edge of his seat watching the horror film and people getting torn to pieces, and he's the last one to leave when she's actually there for real, turning into this creature. It's just, right. what the fuck is going on with this guy's mind, really? Like, what? It, he's, it, I think it's more twisted than we actually think. <laughs> when you take that second to think about this, it's like there, there's something really troubling going on there with this guy, big time. Would you shut up? Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Upstairs in the balcony, Warner is slowly walking around looking for Liz. He bumps Liz. into her dead body and bends down to touch her face and starts crying. Zach, did I hear? Who? who I was reading it. Who said the, the Liz? Liz. Yeah. Liz. <laughs> <It was> perfect. <laughs> <gasps> Just then, Demon Rosemary pops up behind Warner and rips his eyes out. And uh, that doesn't do this scene justice because she's like poking in there and moving her fingers around she, she, this she, she kind of scrubs them she scrubs his eyeballs out of existence she doesn't even poke them out pop them out she just gets the nails and just stirs Ugh. them in the sockets and it's 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 disgusting yeah it's, it's it's completely unnecessary but this is this is the thing where like i was saying about the personality that's the only kind of personality like it's that devious kind of e that's that's just an rosemary evil thing to do, seems to be the most devious of them yeah yeah right definitely cut to everyone running through the movie theater while night danger by pretty maids plays it's pandemonium when the crowd gets to the front door they realize they can't get the doors open they start ripping them off the hinges only to discover that there's a brick wall behind them dream logic now mm-hmm. ken yells that they are trapped inside Cheryl says that the wall wasn't there before. George, George, losing his mind, yells, There has to be an explanation! <laughs> Hannah starts crying that she wants to go home. Tony tells him to settle down. I love this pimp. He's great. He's, he, he's, he's in charge. They need to find another way out. Look for an emergency exit, everybody! Everyone starts running through the movie theater again as Night Danger keeps playing. As everyone else runs down the lobby hall... One lady breaks off from the crowd and starts looking around a storage room. There are chairs and tables piled up against the wall, but no exit. While she hears everyone running back the other way, she tries to rejoin the herd, but Demon Rosemary cuts her off. The lady attempts to run back into the storage room, but gets her scalp ripped off by Demon Rosemary. Rosemary leaves her in the ground, uh, on the ground in a pool of her own blood. This is one of my favorite kills, the scalp kill. I thought this was fucking awesome. It's it's so brutal, isn't it? The, it? the that special effect when it when you see that that flap of hair come back and you just see the that it's like a pool of blood on top of her head. Eesh, that's disgusting. So disturbing, and and then the concrete reveal is is so dramatic. It's cool. Like if you just buy into the whole concept that this 
movie is a dream, then it, it's there's no you don't have to nitpick it at all. But uh, I love that moment where you're, you're like, oh, they're trapped. They're dead. Yeah. They're all dead. Yeah. George and Ken stumble upon the scene and attempt to lock Demon Rosemary in the storage room, but she's too strong. Tony sees what's happening and helps out by pushing the Coke machine against the door, cutting off one of Rosemary's fingers in the process. And unfortunately, kind of getting rid of Rosemary for a better part of the movie now, when she is probably the best, you know, uh, zombie demon in the film. Our intrepid heroes enjoy a moment of silence. Kathy says, it's the movie. When George asks what what about it, she says, I don't know how to explain it. It's just a feeling. The movie's to blame for this. Well, you're, you're wrong, but okay. Tony agrees with Kathy and tells everyone that Rosemary put on the mask and it scratched herself. Put on the mask and scratched herself. Because of that scratch, she became a demon, an instrument of evil. <laughs> like they said in the damn movie. You heard them, right? Everyone agrees. Tony says they have to stop the movie. And then the wife, the wife, the movie, you gotta stop the movie! Always remember, it just cuts to her, the, the abused oh, yeah. wife. That's like, that's her line for this scene. Zach, what were you gonna say? Oh, no, 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 I was just thinking about it, the, you know, of course it's it's the Republican right that thinks it's the movie that started all this. So you gotta ban Who's your man? Who's your man? I can't think of it. Was it Gore? Was it Gore? Or yeah, Tipper Gore's Tipper wife. That's, or, uh, that's Al Gore's wife, Al Tipper, Gore. was the yeah, yeah. head of the uh, parent council of whatever, the POCC, PO. Was, it, was, was the couple coming in, were they just like archetypes for Alan Tipper? But it's the movie. It's Shut up. It's the movie. Shut it's got to be the movie. Shut yeah. up. Yeah, Tipper Gore back in the 80s, she's the one that implemented that whole, uh, you know, parental advisory stickers on Yo, music and whatnot, yeah. which all that did was tell us which albums yeah. to buy, basically. <laughs> this is the one. This is the they, one. Oh, this is the one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. They, thank you, Tipper Gore. Appreciate the uh, the sales yeah. bump. We, we didn't need Nostradamus for that one anymore. Thanks, nope. Tipper. Yeah. They will buy it. <laughs> we see Ingrid watching them. Tony asks where the projection room is. She says, upstairs next to the gallery. Tony tells them they'll all go together so no one gets hurt. See, he's, I love Tony. He's the smart one. He's take charge, you know? Yeah, great line. I love that line. Mm -hmm. We stick together, no one gets hurt. Like, doy, if that that's kind of the case. But no one ever follows that shit. Let's just drop this in here. What do you guys, do you think we could have benefited from more Tony? Or do we get enough Tony? Do you think... Tony should have been the one. We, I think we get enough Tony. I think we could have benefited from more Rosemary. Interesting. Yeah, I would like more Tony. See, I think if you get if you have more Tony, I think it becomes a bit more Ash Evil Dead. I think he could have been someone who rose up to the occasion like an Ash. Yeah, because he's going to die in like the next scene or two. But I the think. only reason he dies is because of everyone else. Everyone yeah. else fucks yeah. up. Everyone else is not his. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah, I just, I guess when I say maybe we get enough Tony, because I'm afraid that if we got more, I don't know if his acting ability would have been able to maintain the level of interest that I think we would have wanted with him, you know? But I do like him and I do enjoy his character. But I also enjoy how much we have of it, and I don't know if we, you know, if, if more would have diminished him at all. Right. I, th I think a lot of people, I've seen this with a lot of people, and they always feel bad when Tony dies. 
That that I do. Gets... I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get a lot of love for Tony. For what you get of Tony, you can draw a lot from him, and you can give him a lot of love in this film. And I feel it. I watch it, and then you just like if that was if I was in that situation, if this was real, and you was in that situation. Fuck me, Tony's got to be the man you're with. Tony's yeah, my man. I'd, Tony's yeah, I'd be my man. Tony, yeah, 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 I'm with Tony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. As Tony, George, Ken, Kathy, and Cheryl, and I think Ingrid too, uh, and the widow, the shitty old man, and Ingrid. There we go. Uh, head towards the booth. They run into Tommy. He says he lost Hannah and all the commotion. Tony tells him to get out of the way. <laughs> Not He should have been like, come with us. But he's like, get out of the way, man. Right. Back in this theater, we see Hannah crawling across the floor, trying to stay hidden. Some of my favorite tense moments is Hannah on the ground in the theater. I think that's kind oh. of scary. The idea that, like, you're surrounded by demons and stuff and, and you're just trying to stay hidden. I kind of like that. Yeah, I agree. That moment where she's down there and there's something creeping around you there was a night a long long time ago when i um i used to have to travel to work like hundreds of miles to work and i went there one day and i and uh i got there too early i got there like the wrong day and i was like well what am i going to do i can't i tried to book into a hotel and i thought okay well there was nowhere to book and i was like i'm completely screwed what am i going to do and i was like i have to stay in the car for the night and i stayed in the car overnight and it was luckily i blacked out windows around the car and about three o'clock in the morning you could just hear someone trying the car door handles oh. as I was in there on my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could hear footsteps go around and then try the other handle. And then, uh, and I, and I, when I see this scene now, I always think that when you're in that, you're just completely, you, you, you're just there uh, at someone else's. Uh, I can't think of the word. What's the word I'm thinking of? Like, yeah, you, someone else's disposal. Someone else's disposal like... in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. They are completely in control. You're blind to anything going on around you, and you're there, just completely trapped, and you have no idea what's going on. Like, like I say, I've got blacked out windows. It's night, and all like all I know is someone is walking around. And when I see this, see, it was terrifying. And the thing, and the thing with that is, when they tried the door handle at the back, you went quiet for a while, and you just heard a voice say, "I know you're in there." And uh, yeah, and so I, I, I didn't say a thing. I just stayed completely silent. I, I was just awake all night, just waiting. And you just heard, eventually, you heard someone walk away, and it got daylight. And I looked out, and there was no one there. And I just always, I, yeah, that was not good, not good. Wow, the fact that you yeah, like, know you're in there, that's I know horrifying. you're in there. Yeah, but I think of that. I think of that like you're saying. Yeah, like it was the, the the whole point of that situation is she's tra- she's blind. She can't. If she looks out, she's gonna get seen. Yeah. She's going to pop her head out and someone's going to know they're there. But that, just that whole thing when she's crawling around on that floor blindly and they film it. So you have no idea. There's no shots of like the demons moving around. You know what she knows in that situation. You're seeing it from, right. you're not seeing it from her point of view, but you, you're getting it from her view, ground level. Yeah. And that yeah. I find that part extremely terrifying. Wow. Yeah. Agreed. Wow. Totally agree. I'm now scared of the story you just told. <laughs> I had to live it. It wasn't. It, it wasn't enjoyable. Let's put it that way. Your your life, my man, is wild. Wild it's on interesting. <laughs> Back in the lobby, our gang makes it to the projection room, but the door is locked. Cheryl says she can crawl through the window, but Tony says there's no need for that. Just kicks the door open like a man's <laughs> <Yeah>. man. <laughs> no Zach, need. <laughs> Zach, another Seinfeld reference. That kid's not just a man. He's a man's man. <laughs> when they get inside, they find that no one is running the projector. It's all automated. Cheryl looks over and sees the reflection of the masked man from the subway station appear in the reflection of the window. 
Just then, Tony tells them to smash everything. In the theater below, the movie stops playing and the projector is destroyed. Fun fact about this, on the original VHS print, when they destroyed the print, and you know the shot of the... You know you get the, 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 the straight-on shot of the uh, cinema screen with a hole in it, and they, yeah. and they rip it, and the cinema screen goes blank. On the UK VHS, I don't know if it happened on the American VHS, but a text overlay used to appear on the cinema screen. And I tried to do some research into this, and it's definitely there, and I remember reading about it, but it was something in Italian that appears on the UK VHS. It's just like superimposed really badly on that screen. Um, it's, it said something like fine tempo print or something. It was, it was, I don't know what it is, but if there's anyone out there who's listening to this and they know what the hell I'm talking about, just leave something in the comments. But it, it if you have that original VHS, it was, it was like something added in post with video equipment to hmm. put this text on the screen. And it lingered on it for far too long. Like in it now, it just cuts really quick. It goes blank and then bang. I thought it was good. I thought you were going to say the text said like, this is part of the movie or like you're nothing's wrong with your VHS or, but it, no, it doesn't. Okay. It's, it said something, it said something like, it was fine tempo print or something like that. And I remember it was a long time ago when I was talking to someone and they, I think it was Italian or something and they kind of translated it and said, yeah, it, it kind of means nothing, but I don't know why it's there in this film. But definitely UK VHS. I might even have to go and track a VHS copy of it down and just film it and, and put it on Instagram and tag you guys in or something. But it was it was there and it made no sense at the time. And we was all, when we first watched it, it was like, what the hell does that mean? And I was shocked when I got the DVD afterwards. I was thinking, I wonder if that fine tempo thing's there. And it just wasn't there. It just cut straight away. Yeah, and sadly, uh, Zach can probably confirm this too. The IMDb trivia and like the Wikipedia trivia is very sparse on this movie. There's not much yeah. information readily available. It's weak, yeah. Again, this is very, because it's so under the radar, this movie. Yeah. Cut to the city outside at night. We see a car of four ruffians driving and listening to We Close Our Eyes by Go West. Um, by the way, that's a great Go West song. We close our eyes and dun, 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 dun. it's off their self-titled first album or second album. I love Go West. Me too. So, and the fact that they're same. listening to Go West is pretty fun. I have that album. I have that album on vinyl. I have it. Vinyl? vinyl? <laughs> yeah, it's near. It's, it's great nearby album. somewhere. It's near, but I definitely have it. Yeah. They have a. There's another song on there. Don't look down, girl. They're good. <sighs> they're really good. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. And I love how the subtitles will tell you what song it is and everything, because it's fun to actually track that and when they use these these songs. Um, I got to say, I broke down half of this movie with a horrible cold. And uh, I'm checking in my notes. This is when I actually started feeling better, when I started working <laughs> on the second half. But You're doing good, Corey, baby. That, You're doing thanks, good. buddy. But yeah. uh, I will say it took me a solid 10 minutes uh, with the movie paused, trying to figure out what all these characters' names were, because Nina was the easiest one to figure out. Um, but uh, So anyways, Nina, who's in the back seat, tells the passenger, Hot Dog, that the stolen car sucks and to get a better one next time, Ripper uh, is driving and we'll see Ripper again in um, uh, part, part two. two. Demons two. <laughs> yep. uh, Ripper is driving while Baby Pig is in the back seat, sitting next to Nina. So yeah, it was interesting trying to figure all that out. This is the skankiest looking group of skanks I've ever seen. But I think like this is the most realistic. I mean, the ones yeah. in Return of the Living Dead, they look like actors. I, I mean, that's no disrespect, but they no, do totally. look like actors dressed Cartoon up as characters. punks. Yeah, 
But these guys look like they look like they haven't washed. They look like they haven't slept. They they yeah. look like the things that used to exist in that point in time. I mean, there's there's so much stuff we watch now that's guilty, like Stranger Things would make you think the eighties looks like a neon fancy dress party. But like the eighties, right. did, they didn't look like that. They, it was it was brown ashtrays, and some of that seventies crap was kind of clinging yeah. on for dear life. Yeah. And I remember back in the day being a kid seeing people like that. If I saw punks, they looked like this bunch of punks. They didn't look exactly. like Return of the Living Dead. And some, well, something quite interesting, where we talk about dream logic with all this stuff, Italians, how they cut these films. You, uh, have you guys ever seen like Picnic at Hanging Rock? Have you ever seen that oh, film? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. And, and it's, the, the, uh, Peter Weir. Peter Jim Weir. Peter Weir yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And they had the editing on that to make it film dreamlike. They have those really long crossfades. Like it's got that really slow, like nice music going across everything and fades from one image to the other. Italians, we, even though we're dealing with dream logic, that cut from the cinema and this tense scene to the Go West song. Boom. He's like, what? We're here now. And I think that's part of the charm as well with these Italian for that hard cut. And we get another one later on. And I think the yeah. other one later on is terrifying when they're crawling through the um, air duct. And he goes, Hannah, and the fingernails are in front of us. Yeah, it can't yeah. be. And it cuts her and it just goes, ah, and then cuts. <laughs> when she turns it just in the middle and you're like, Jesus Christ. I think well, that works really well. My favorite thing about this, uh, this group of ruffians here. Um, first off, Myra could not get past Ripper's face, like his nose. It just was like <laughs> destroying her. She just like, she's like, what is wrong with them? But I, I like all their close-ups. They do such a great job acting tough. And I think they're tough. But then when they run, when they have to run later, I was like, oh, you guys are all theater nerds and, and dancers. Like, you can tell by the way they, they move. And all that. I'm like, oh, you guys are just dancers. You're not, yeah. you're not there's, tough there's a lot of all. There's a lot of arms when they're running. When they're <laughs> there running, is. there's a lot of arms moving around. Yeah, well, okay. A lot of jazz hands, you know. <laughs> <laughs> look out. Back in the theater, our group of survivors make it to the balcony seats and look around. Cheryl says, now the damn film isn't going to hurt us anymore. But Warner, with his eyes gouged out, says from the back of the room, it's not the movie. It's this, it's this theater that kills. He has killed my Liz, my little girl. This whole place is cursed. So I guess he does say my little girl, but I've always, it just it never registered for me. Um, we see the lights flicker. Tony yells out, they're still here, God damn them, then walks up to Warner and sees Liz dead at his feet. He tells George and Ken to help him throw her over the edge, but the blind man tries to stop them. Tony pushes him aside and starts dragging Liz's body down the stairs towards the balcony, with Warner crawling after her. Tony tells George to help him, but the young man protests. I won't give you a hand. Christ, she's dead. Leave her alone. Tony pushes George away and says, "You ain't worth shit." But Ken steps up and but Ken steps up to the task and takes her legs. And like at this point, you kind of don't think that George is going to be the 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 main guy because he's kind of cries a lot and screams a lot, which is weirdly kind of refreshing because he kind of freaks out a lot. Yeah, it feels realistic. I I think George. It kind of feels like. To- George toughens up because of Tony. Right, yeah. It feels like he learned something from Tony. It feels like for everything Tony did and they didn't listen, he kind of takes on that mantle of having that common sense of like, yeah, we need right. to really deal with this. And it, and, yeah. it, and it feels like 
George. It feels if you want to say there's any like character growth in demons, I would say it's definitely George. Yeah, George and Tony. There's there's something there, some sort of relationship where they 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 kind of rub against one another, and so a bit of Tony rubs off onto George in this moment. In, in really a good way. It, in a good yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the bad way, yeah. Then he starts pimping out Cheryl at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just then, the old married bastard you got his throat ripped out pops up as a demon from the other side of the ledge. Everyone screams, but Tony takes out his switchblade and makes short work of the demon, sending it back down to the theater below. And right on top of Hannah, who's crawling on the ground between the chairs. The demon spews blood and bile all over her. Hannah scoots backwards away from him, but bumps into the legs of the hanged gentleman caller, who seems to kind of still be alive. Hannah screams. I love this scene. Zach, it's so gooey and gross. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I mean, th- this is like some of the best carnage in this moment of the movie. I think they used uh, a shot from earlier when he got thrown over the balcony and they inserted it there of him still being alive. And they thought, yeah, we'll do that. It looks good. Oh, yeah, the hanging guy. Yeah, I, I yeah. really think they did. And I've always thought that because it makes no sense. It's been about like an hour, isn't it? In film yeah. in movie time. Well, he's, well, he's he should be like, help me, me help me, God damn it, I'm not dead. <laughs> I'm not dead yet, guys. <laughs> Back outside, the four ruffians are still driving their stolen car around the city while Send My Heart by The Adventures plays. Ripper tells Hot Dog to take the wheel while he snorts Coke out of the can of Coke. This shit would wake up the dead. Back in the theater's balcony, Tony tells everyone to rip out the seats and make a barricade. They have to block the way in. Just then, George realizes that they have to cut the cord that the guy is hanging from. Otherwise, the demons will use it to climb up. Tony hands him a switchblade to cut it. Then he tells everyone to keep barricading the entrances with seats. Just then, Demon Liz springs to life and chomps down on Tony's leg. He yells for his knife and George gives it back to him. Tony starts hacking away at Liz while she bites a chunk, a huge chunk, out of his leg. As Tony is fighting for, <laughs> as Tony is fighting for his thigh meat, Liz, <laughs> Liz's hanged boyfriend pops up behind Tony and all three of them fall over the balcony and hang there. The hero pimp screams as he gets bitten multiple times in the air. George picks up the switchblade and cuts the rope, sending all three of them to the seats below. Tommy hears Hannah scream from downstairs and goes after her. It's pretty gnarly when he gets his thigh dug into because it's almost like cavernous. He goes out. He goes out like a champ. I think it's pretty gross when the guy jumps up and uh, he grabs him from behind and he draws, doesn't he, for real? He actually yeah. draws into Tony's mouth all the green crap. <laughs> That's, I noticed that yeah. too. As, as a semi-germaphobe, I would have been like, no, no, don't! <laughs> <laughs> I'm a method actor. <laughs> Tony's like... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Hannah makes her way from the theater into the curtains that Carmen got lost in and Tony meets up with her. She, he asks if she's hurt, but Hannah says it's not her blood. She then notices that he's bleeding from a scratch on the face. Tony says it's nothing as they hug. And I like that they're setting up early on that awesome payoff later in the events, which is one of my favorite payoffs in the movie. Yeah, with Tony. Yeah. No, with Tony um, no, um, Tommy and Hannah. Yeah. Tommy. Tom, Tom, yeah. yeah. In the city, Ripper and the gang are still driving the stolen car and snorting coke, while White Wedding, awesome, by Billy Idol plays on the radio. Nina, Hot Dog, and Baby Pig start fighting over the can and end up spilling the Coke in the back seat. Ripper slams on the brakes and tells him to pick up every last gram. 
Back in the theater, everyone is kicking over seats and piling them up in the on the two balcony entrances. In the car, Baby Pig tells Ripper that he's had more than his share of the cocaine, which sends Ripper into a rage. Shut up, unless you want me to break your head. Baby Pig doesn't look too impressed. Oh, that's Rambo talking, baby. Oh, yeah, go on. Be violent. The people they change the most in the dub from the US dub to the international is the abusive husband and the punks. They're the oh, only okay. ones that they change. I oh. don't know why. I don't know why they're, they, they're the ones who go under the under the edit, under the under the knife in the editing room the most. And I don't know why. They change their lines. They literally change their lines all the way through it. Yeah. Hmm. it's Even the bit when they get out of the car and they go, pigs suck. They change that to something else as well. And it's... Okay, I don't know. I don't know what that was. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, and it's just different variations on the things they're saying. Yeah. So it's not yeah. that much of a change, but it is a change. Interesting. Okay. Well, give me a reason to go back and, and watch the other version as well. Um, right. Yeah. Same. In the theater, George asks Ken if he thinks the seat barricade will stop the demons. Ken says he doesn't think so, but don't tell the others. Ken takes charge and tells people to watch the balcony railings. If they see a demon climbing up, to shout. Then he tells the other people to start pounding on the walls. Maybe the cavalry will hear us and come to the rescue. Back in the car, the gang is all done cleaning up the coke, except for some on Nina's chest. Baby Pig tries to seductively clean it off her nipple with a razor, but, but cuts her in the process. He seems amused by this. She, of course, is not. She is, she's uh, she's so gross. I, I I don't know what's more disturbing, her or the the chicken street trash that gets gang raped by all the homeless people. <laughs> like they're, they're equally disturbing, and yeah. and I'm just like I, I don't need to see that. I don't need to see her. She looks like she's 15, and she probably could be 15. And I don't know, man. It just it, the, the, it's not sexy at all. It's very disturbing. Have you ever seen her in any other films? The, the no. Nope. Yeah, she looks. She actually looks really good. She looks in other things. She looks. She looks really good. And there was like, I'm I sure she does. Yeah, I can't think what it was, but it was another Italian film, and I was like, oh yeah, I've recognised her from something. And it took a it took a while, and I was like, oh, and she looks completely different. She looks. And I mean, Ripper yeah. in Demons Two actually looks better. Like, you know, when they when they make him look like a security yeah. guard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like him more in that. He looks a little more respectable. But so that's yeah. the makeup doing its job. Good job, makeup. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love that. I'll probably bring it up again on Demons 2. But it's kind of like that Return of the Living Dead Part 2 scenario where you have the same actor playing a different character. And there's and that adds to that dreamlike quality of the I movie. I love it. I love it. We see a quick shot of people in the theater banging on the walls. Outside, we realize that Ripper and the gang are parked in the alley behind the Metropole. Hot Dog tells everyone in the car to be quiet. He hears something. Ripper says it's coming from the theater, probably just a movie. Hot Dog doesn't agree, though. Nina gets excited when when she's handed more coke to do. Back in the theater balcony, everyone except Kathy is banging on the walls. She's standing by the pile of theater seats, watching it move from from some unseen force. She tells everyone to stop banging because she hears something. Ken says it's probably just the seats settling. Relax, they can't get through there. Everyone goes back to banging on the wall of the theater. Cut to inside the pile of the seats, and we see Blind Warner crawling through the makeshift barrier. Downstairs, Tommy and Hannah try to make it back up to the balcony, but they see a demon and run the other way. Back on the second floor, 
George finally breaks through the wall, and there seems to be another room behind it. Everyone is now galvanized and starts smashing through the wall. They finally bust a hole in the wall, and everyone walks through to find another completely empty building with no way out. <laughs> of course, all the women start freaking out, and the men do their best to calm them. Cheryl yells, we're gonna die, as the camera kind of spins through the room, illustrating the fact that they're trapped. I've got a funny thing about this scene here, when they walk in there and everyone starts, all the women start screaming. When I watched this, and this stayed with me from the very first time we watched this, because uh, we were like we were all 12, 13 or whatever when we first watched it, and we had... It was an 18-rated film. So what we used to do is get my friend's older sister to go and rent the films out. We'd go in there and be like, well, that's the one we want. You go get it. And she used to rent it out. She was there watching this film. And when this scene come on and the women go into that room and all start freaking out, I just remember this vividly. She turned around and she said, is that room making them all menstruate? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe, and I can I can kind of see it. every time I see that scene, I get what she was getting at because every woman just starts to freak out and this like has a complete and all the guys down. have to be like ah! yeah 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 and every and it, it's just poisoned that scene for me completely. They, they, every, as soon as it comes on, it's like oh, yeah the menstruating room. Okay, yeah, <laughs> the menstruating room, <laughs> horrible. <laughs> Some time has passed, and the survivors are back in the theater's balcony level. They're all sitting around looking defeated. Outside in the car behind the Metropole, two police officers stumble upon Ripper's gang and the stolen car. They ask for their license and registration, and the gang books it into the theater while yelling, All pigs suck! And it's kind of like a... a, a, There's not a door there, but there is. It kind of magically opens uh, back entrance, as if the theater is beckoning them to come in. Right. But as they go in, Blind Demon Warner sneaks out the door before it magically closes. The two police officers give chase but can't find the four ruffians. They do find Warner hiding behind a car and he attacks them. Fun fact when they're in the car and they're going to hotwire it and drive away, they actually got the colors of the wires right to hotwire a car. <laughs> and you they know did. from experience. <laughs> you can cut this red, 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 red and black red and black that's all i'm saying red and black <laughs> zach have you ever hot wired a car before oh i'm waiting for a police siren to... yeah, i just hot wired a car five minutes ago no um... no but after seeing terminator and reese doing it so easily i'm like that's how you that's how you hot wire a car oh i can do that you got to break the steering wheel um what i just watched a movie oh no i was watching better call saul and the dude this dude um does that he hot wires a car it's a you know new series and i'm like oh you can still do that now that's cool okay but no never done that you used <laughs> to start either. my car with a piece of metal though i used oh, to start the, my car by like like a drubbing the, the screwdriver in there or something or so no i yeah for some reason uh i had to start my dodge dart by putting uh, a screwdriver no, it was two pieces. It was a long piece of metal on top of my battery to spark it, but I had to do it with uh, with uh, uh, with uh, you know rubber gloves on, so I wouldn't get <laughs> a. Like a kill. 
So I'd be on a date, you know, and I'd be like, oh, hold on a second. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Pop the hood. Putting my gloves on. <laughs> hold, hold on. I'm, I'm just, it's okay. I'm not here to kill you. It's better than the uh, the car I had before that had, like, this weird electrical issue, and I'd have to put electrical grease in these two circuits and put them together, and I'd get out of the car with this tube of grease in my hand, and I'm like, I'll be right back. What are you doing? Okay, start the car. What? Start the car. Start, start the car, goddammit. <laughs> Jack, I didn't know we were uh, we were dart buddies. I, I assume I have a newer dart. Uh, I assume yours is the was the older. Mine was a '66 '66 yeah. Dodge Dart uh, it was fastback. It was rad. I, I, I love that car. I bet. Rest in peace. <laughs> Blew it up. So. <laughs> big rips to that car. <laughs> big rips to that car and big rips to Tony. <laughs> and no rips to Ripper. He gets what he gets what he deserves. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal Mm. is a joke. (laughs) And now, back to the show. Back inside, Tommy and Hannah find an air conditioning vent and crawl inside, hoping it leads to an exit. Tommy goes in first and Hannah crawls behind him. We see a quick shot of Ripper's gang making their way through the basement and into the theater into the theater proper. Back in the vents, Tommy seems to be struggling, but Hannah tries to encourage him and keep him moving forward. They hear scratching sounds coming from behind, but keep crawling. We even see demon hands scratching the vent as it's crawling towards them, but we don't see who the demon is. Tommy says, You hear it? Like something scratching its nails inside the shaft. Behind you! Hurry, Hannah! Tommy gets to a juncture in the vent and swaps with Hannah so she can go first and he can protect her from behind. Or protect her behind. Now as they continue to crawl, it sounds like the scratching is coming in front of them. Tommy yells, that's impossible! It can't be! Just then Hannah turns around and she's a demon. And she bites Tommy's face. I like this whole setup. I like this whole reveal. I like this whole gag. It kind of gets me every time. I don't really see it coming, but if you, you know, break it down like we are, it's a very well set up gag. Great pacing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the whole, this whole film, the editing's on point, but I think the suspense, the way this is edited and the way it's, um, the whole thing's executed and put together, I think this is. I think it's a perfect scene in a way. Yeah. I think it's just a really good gag. I think it's a really good way to 
And, uh, and there's so many ways it could have gone wrong. And like, there's the, so the, many ways. The, the yeah, fact that yeah. you see the nails, and I don't ever put it together that it's you know it's hers. You just assume because you don't see any of her clothing or anything like that. You only see the hands, and I'm like, oh, it's it, it's following them, but no, it's her, and it's such a great. Con- I love the conception of this idea. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I think he, I think he's perfect. I think they did a really good job of it. And I, and I like I was saying before about those Italian hard cuts. I think. If that if this had gone on any longer, I think it would have yeah. the punchline would have been diluted, and I think where they cut it is absolutely perfect. Just that because there's the, there's the flashing light going in and out from darkness, isn't there? And then that's when Tommy goes, "It's in front of us. It can't be." And you get her, ah, and then yeah. the, the cut, and you oh, and, by and the time you've realised what's cuts, going on, it's gone. It cuts yeah. on that growl. It cuts on whatever it is, and it's like a hard yeah. cut. It's not a fade, and no. obviously. This is this is inspired by the Dallas scene in Alien, but it it feels like its own thing, and that's what mm. I I think that's the best kind of homage is that it 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 makes the homage makes the reference, but at the same time it creates its own scenario out of it, right? Kind of like all those dates who thought they were going to get killed by Zach with his rubber gloves. Rubber gloves, pretty much. We're going to create some like, sparks, baby. Gloves. <laughs> Ooh, gloves. I'm excited by those rubber gloves. What are you going to do? <laughs> Are they vinyl? Are they vinyl? Cut to the gang of youths frantically looking for an exit in the theater's lobby. What kind of fucked up place is this? Ripper yells. Hot Dog finds the door Tony blocked off with the soda machine and tells the rest of them to help him move it. Ripper explores the storage room. Realizes it goes nowhere and tells them to move on. They all do except for Nina. She starts looking at herself in a mirror and applying lipstick. We see some kind of liquid start running down the front of the mirror. She drops the top of her lipstick and bends down to pick it up. As she does, we see the scalped lady has turned into a demon and is standing behind her. She growls and attacks Nina. The rest of the gang hears her scream and goes running back to the storage room but they are cut off by a horde of demons with glowing eyes being led by Tony. They run the other way. Now, I will say, I think we all can all agree that this shot of the demons coming up the stairs with the glowing eyes, we all love it. And so much so that they really lean into it in part two. They add a lot yeah. more of it in part two. But I will say, this was also Myra's favorite like sort of shot and moment of the movie as well. She was like, that is fucking cool as hell. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. That's iconic. Yes, it is iconic. Have you inspected this shot properly when, when it happens? Because there's some odd stuff going on with shadows here. And mm, I've never no. really truly understood what it is. Because if you look at the shot, the wide shot, when they're coming up the stairs, their shadows are cast the opposite way on the ceiling. Oh, okay. So rather than coming up from them... Like, it, say say there was a they've got the backlight behind them. Instead of their shadows going from them over the top of them along the ceiling, they're coming from the other direction. That's and I don't cool. know whether they're refl- I don't know whether they're filming something in a mirror, and that's why you're getting the shadows going in the opposite direction, or they've got other actors acting the shadows as they run up the stairs to give it more dramatic effect. I think the latter. Yeah, yeah. If you if you look if you look at it, just it, it, you don't notice it until you notice it. But when you do, it's like the shadows yeah. are going in the wrong direction, and that that again, I mean, it, it, it it's a purposeful choice definitely for this yeah. it's definitely staged staged somehow no it's but again great. like when you talk about the dream logic and things not quite making sense it's just something subtle that throws in there and just puts you off on that scene almost like in in um 
Salem's Lot when you got the kid in reverse coming up to the window. You watch it when you first see that, you know something's off. Like you see them coming up there, and it's got an eerie feel. In that scene, that's that's something that happens. Those shadows are the wrong way around as they're coming up the stairs. Still terrifying. Still terrifying. And Zach, like you said, this is like the iconic shot of the movie. Even like the you know the VHS. You know, cover was like a play on this and everything with the, yeah. the the eyes glowing and just coming up the stairs. But I love how it's in slow motion. There's no like not a lot of sound to it. Just everything about this one shot is really damn cool. Right. No, it's 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 like that's why this is I think this the shot most people remember hmm. and why they I think double down on it in Demons 2. You take the best parts. That's why Evil Dead 2 is so good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did I say Evil Dead Two or Demons Two? But yeah, no, you said Demons Two. But I'm saying that's why Evil Dead Two is so good because you took the best elements and you. Not to say Demons Two is better than Demons One. We'll we'll talk about it when we get to it. Back in the theater's balcony, George, Cheryl, Ken, Kathy, and the rest of, rest of the survivors sit around waiting to be rescued or killed. Kathy hears the distant screams of Nina and says she hears someone. Everyone starts cautiously looking over the balcony. Someone hears banging coming from below and yells that help is coming. They've been rescued. That's a, that's a leap, <laughs> jump to conclusions, but okay. Idiots. <laughs> yeah, and even George knows they're idiots. Everyone starts frantically removing the barricade from the door, but George tries to stop them. He knows better. Down in the theater below, the demons have Ripper, Hot Dog, and Baby Pig surrounded. Hot Dog tries to use a gun, but it isn't loaded, I guess. They. Th- <laughs> this is great. They think they're... <laughs> You think they're after our snow? Hot Dog says, I don't know, baby pig. You ask him. Ripper says, I'm not wasting it on these shitheads. See you guys in hell. And he bolts. And you know what? I have to respect that Ripper has his priorities in order. First off, he's like, I'm not sharing any of my Coke. And I'll see you in hell. Two of my favorite fucking lines right there. It's great. That's why he's the leader of the group. That's right. Unfortunately, you don't really get to see any of them killed or turned, even though they will be demons, like, in a little bit. Good talk. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, you On... think, do, you think they, do you think they've established themselves enough as characters we'd care about to see getting turned, though? No, but I kind of, no. you, you want to see, you know, like the, the scalping, you, you still, I still want to see a gory kill. I want to mm. see something, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're going to yeah. get that soon. You're getting it soon. We'll get Kathy's uh, birth scene soon. Yeah. You mean Phantasm 2 ripped off that scene, by the way? Yep. Yes. Yes. Completely. I mean, paid homage. I'm <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> okay with that. Remember, Zach, if you cite your references, it's an homage. Ask Tarantino. Yeah. Who said that? That's us. We say that. Uh, yeah, we say that. <laughs> On the balcony, George, Ken, Kathy, and Cheryl do the smart thing and leave the rest of the lemmings to their eventual fate. Once enough of the chairs are removed, the demons start popping up out of the piles and attacking them uh, while our four main characters... W- <clears throat> while our main four work on removing the barricade from the other side of the balcony... You know, I write all these sentences. There's no one but me to blame if I can't read it back. I I think I'm being clever sometimes, and then I try to read it, and I can't. Chaos ensues as the demons attack and kill various members of the survivors. We see one girl try to crawl away, but a demon finds her and starts strangling her. 
She bites its fingers off and demon blood shoots all over her face and mouth. Thought that was cool. Yeah. The widow, who is married to the old asshole, gets her head crushed in one of the seats by demon Rosemary. Wish we kind of saw maybe a spray of blood shoot out or something. That would have been kind of neat. Our main four finally make enough room through the barricade to start crawling out. Ingrid sees them and follows after. She doesn't make it. And that's and her death is kind of unceremonious as well. Well, sometimes I think like the demons, you know, when they're all supposed to be the same in a sense, other than, I guess, Kathy in a little bit, uh, you know, they're that you're kind of just they all should maybe die, a sim- have a similar fate. You know, there's not one designated leader, per se. Right. She just happened to be the first. And they're not they're just there to kill you. So, like, however is the easiest way for them to do it. That's how they're going to do it, except for. Rosemary seemed to be the one that was the most delighted in the chaos. True. Yeah. Yeah. Our heroes make it through the barricade and into the lobby, but Kathy fainted in the process and needs to be dragged out by Ken and George. They get her to her feet and run down the stairs as a group of demons come up the others up the opposite stairs where they just were. They find the air conditioning vent that Tommy and Hannah left open and decide to go in. They decide to get Kathy in first because she isn't doing well. She's sitting against a pole with her back to the gang. Cheryl goes to her friend and shakes her, pleading with her to stand up and move. Kathy slowly looks at Cheryl and says, This place, where am I? Then her head slumps back down. George thinks she's in shock. Kathy slowly rises to her feet and turns around. Her eyes are red like the other demons. And this is another thing I like. I like this slow possession transformation. I like her being like, where are we? That, that this just this dream ethereal. I, I love this here. Kathy says, who are you? In a very demonic voice, then looks down. Again, that's cool. She looks back up and is now a full demon with fangs and green green goo coming out of her mouth. She swipes at the three of them with her claws, but Ken gets the vent cover and smashes her in the head with it kathy falls to the ground lifeless cheryl starts screaming but ken grabs her and says it wasn't kathy the demoness slowly rises to her hands and knees and the three of them see her back start pulsating a full-on demon breaks through her back and crawls its way out ken gets slashed in the in the chest as it runs away it got me i'll turn into one of them ken tries and george tries to comfort him but ken screams save yourself and runs into the theater crying cheryl says they can't leave him alone like this and go chase after him now the demon birth out of kathy's back is spectacular yes so good that don coscarelli thought he should use it in phantasm 2 what year, Zach, was Phantasm 2? 88. Okay. Well, that's so oh, clearly. Definitely, definitely, yeah. When you first saw this, did you initially think it was a small demon? Did you think it was like a gremlin-sized demon? Because everyone who I watched this with was like, it's a gremlin, it's a gremlin. And they thought it was because of the size. Because it, 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 realistically speaking, that is not going to be a full-sized thing that grows out, climbs out of her back. But it is. But on first watching, we always thought, it's a small one. It's a small one that's climbed out of her. Like a ghoul. And I think they, yeah, and they play into that in the second one. They have yes. a, a small one come out in the second one. But I, I 
we all generally thought that first viewing as kids, it was like it's a gremlin. It's a small one. There's small ones. And I think realistically that kind of makes sense, but I think it's even more terrifying when you understand because you do see the thing later running around with the crowd and it is just a full sized yeah. humanoid yeah. demon. Yeah. But do you guys yeah, never think that yeah. when you first watched it? Did you ever think it was did you get those vibes it was a small one or something like that? I was just disturbed by the whole thing and didn't really give it too much thought but because it, it's so bizarre and there's not a lot of continuity with the way the demons kind of come out you know no. what i mean like yeah. so it's just a random moment but it's just a super cool effect for well, sure and you think, think maybe it's going to be the like a leader demon but it's, yes. it's not really no. um but Zach, well, you, you I, think there's something you think there's going to be something special or different about it don't you because right it's just such yeah, a big you, scene. It yeah it should yeah. should but Zach, since I have no recollection of like my first time watching it, did any of these things like freak you out as a kid when like Eric, like, do you remember anything when you were younger, like how you reacted to this one? Not specifically, but I'm sure I did. I don't, I didn't even really remember Phantasm 2 ripping this off until I saw, watched it again, you know, last week, uh, Demons. So I'm like, oh, wow, that that's totally what they did in Phantasm 2. And similar to Phantasm 2, this moment is just a moment. It doesn't really set up anything else substantial, you know. Um, It's just a cool moment. Yeah. (laughs) Which kind of is a bummer because you feel like they could piggyback on this. It's the demon leader. And if they kill the demon leader, but, you know, well, we'll find out what happens. (laughs) I, I think I think George does a really good job selling this. He's, when he oh, comes yeah. to that shot of him, he's like, "Look at her back!" And you're like, "Oh my god!" It really it really makes you feel it. Just him, his voice screeching out, scratching his vocal cords in that moment when he when he does that. You can tell there's a lot. Whoever dubbed him had a lot of passion for that for that scene when that <laughs> happened, and, and, and it works. It works really well. It works really well. They really sell that for that the spectacle of that moment. And I imagine that that demon is not played by the Kathy actress, I don't think. Which... I don't think so. And there's there's not even anything where you can kind of connect it. So it even... It, like, of course, when they all get scratched, they look like demon versions of themselves because that would make sense. It's just like the zombie thing. But with that thing, it, I think it's just its own individual creature. There's nothing that's Kathy-like about it. It's just something that's... yeah can't been born from her yeah in some way yeah right but it seems the most pure demon like that is that yeah, is the that, pure yeah, and, form and of a that's demon. why we yeah. all ex- yeah and that's why we all expect him to be the leader or something but he, he just falls in line with everybody else like, hey guys welcome to the party here we go <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but he, his face his face does look more like the mask because he's got the horns he's got yeah, everything yeah. going on yeah he looks mm-hmm. like the mask yeah we see Ken make his way to the lobby and lay down next to the dirt bike. He looks like shit. George tells him to fight it. Ken pleads for them to leave him alone. He doesn't want George to see him turn into a demon. George agrees and starts walking away with Cheryl, but Ken tells him to wait. Do me a favor. A last favor as a friend. He stands up and takes the sword out of the display and hands it to George. Kill me with this. George says he can't. He can't do that. Ken's eyes are red and his, he has the demon's veins are in his face. Cheryl says the, that the demons are coming up the stairs. Ken pleads with George to kill him. Don't let me become like them. 
George closes his eyes and cries. He cries a lot in this movie, but that's okay. Men can cry. And Ken starts walking away. Just then he turns around and sees he's gone full demon. George screams as he swings his sword and cuts off his best friend's head. Oh. I think Ken's acting in this is really good. I think Ken's yeah, really good I agree. in this. I, I believe yeah. him 100%. Yeah. I feel for yeah. the guy as well. You can he, he really gets across that emotion of this has happened. I really don't want this to be happening, but you really have to help me out on this, this one final. I, I believe him in this moment yeah. of everything that he's doing on screen. Same. Cheryl backs into the curtains to shield herself from the horror, but finds herself back in the theater surrounded by demons. Just then, George rides in on his motorcycle with sword in hand. This is when he goes, like, just full action hero. He drives through this theater to Cheryl's rescue, slicing demons in the process, including the green one Kathy birthed out of her back. Cheryl gets on the back of the bike as Fast as a Shark by Accept plays while the two of them drive around fucking shit up. They eventually drive out of the seating area and into the lobby while George slices demons with the sword along the way. They drive back into the theater and kill more demons, but Cheryl is thrown off the bike in the process. George wipes out but quickly recovers and slices his way through the characters we've come to know who are now demons. Tony, Nina, Ripper, Ingrid's big hair. We see George has a cut on his shoulder, but we don't know if it's from a demon or the crash. After the carnage, he walks over to Cheryl and helps her up. Cut to outside the theater and no one is on the streets. The city looks empty. We hear the sound of a helicopter crashing. Inside, George and Cheryl look up to see it come right through the ceiling of the theater and land on the seats below. We see the two pilots are dead inside. And it's really gory, too, which I like. Yeah. George and Cheryl crawl inside the Whirly Bird. Day of the Dead reference for you. As demons start surrounding them. George gets the blade to spin and dispatches the last of them before the motor cuts out completely. They see the hole in the ceiling and know that's their only way out. It's all right, Cheryl. We're going to make it. Conveniently, George grabs a grappling gun from the helicopter and hooks the wire to the winch on the side of it. He shoots the grapple through the hole and attaches itself to it. Cheryl climbs to the top of the helicopter but gets attacked by a demon in the process. She breaks free and they use the automatic winch to make it to the roof of the theater. One thing about the scene where, uh, you know, you said about George has a scratch on his back and you didn't know whether it was a demon scratch or not. The um, Yeah, if you, if you watch uh, when Ripper's in there, he's got a meat hook in his hand as a weapon and he's trying to fight the demons back. When he goes, yeah, I'm going to hell and you keep away from my snow and all that. And he, yeah. and he runs off with a meat hook. But when he's a demon, he still has the meat hook. And then the, and the motorcycle scene, if you watch carefully, he gets George in the back with a meat hook. And okay. that's where George gets... Yeah, yeah, It's very quick. It's not emphasized, really. But if you watch, you do see that happen. Interesting. Since it's the meat hook and not, like, his claws or blood... It's not his he... claws. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. It's and there. By the it's way... there. It's there. I think they kind of edit it like that, not to make it obvious, to, to throw that red herring in there to make you think, did he get scratched? Right. Yeah. And I guess, and we can all agree that when Cheryl was climbing onto the helicopter and she got attacked is probably when she got scratched. A hundred percent. That's all. Yep. I've always took it. The thing is, she's got the long skirt on still, hasn't she? So, yeah. You, and its hands go up and it's like, I think it got her under the, under the, on the legs. Yeah. yeah. Once outside, they look around and hear shouting and gunshots in the distance. 
Just then, the man with the half-metal mask walks up behind them and pushes George back into the hole. He grabs onto a metal rebar and hangs there while Cheryl yells for him. Cheryl tries to attack him, but he just throws her aside. Then the man bends down and tries to push George back down into the pit. Before he can complete his task, Cheryl stabs him in the back with the grappling hook. This gives George time to crawl up, and they both use a pipe to push the demon's head down on, expo- on an exposed piece of metal. It goes through the metal face and into his head. Really cool. Our heroes look out over the city and see the chaos the demons are causing. They use a fire escape to climb down to the alley below and start running. On the streets below, they find dead bodies and abandoned cars. This, uh, it, for me, this looks like the end, like the third act and the third act in Life Force. Oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good comparison. A lot of you know, bur- like trash cans on fire and stuff like that. Yeah, or or everything that the Resident Evil movies should have been but weren't. Please, yeah, exactly. And how can, you, honest- how can you get that wrong? How do you get that wrong? And, you shouldn't. Oh, no, and honestly, so like. For a low-budget movie, they do a great job of of giving you the sense that the entire city is besieged now, you know? When you have a vision, a clear vision of what you're doing, then it's going to come across on screen. When you have no idea what the hell you're doing or too many cooks in the kitchen, you get Resident Evil 3. (laughs) Very true. Very true. Cheryl and George run from a horde of demons chasing them through the city. They finally run into a family of three, a dad, a son, and a daughter, driving an open-top jeep. The older man tells them to jump in the back. The son looks like he's like 12, and the daughter's a teen, and they all have guns. Our two heroes get in the back as the vehicle speeds off. As the dad drives the jeep through the city for a way out, the son and daughter shoot some demons along the way, clearing a path. The daughter looks back at Cheryl and George and says, Welcome aboard. There are more weapons on the floor. The young boy hands George a machine gun. George asks where they're going. The kid says they're getting out of the country. The dad chimes in and says, We're trying to get as far from here as possible. West, we saw some lights in the sky. Maybe not everything's lost. Maybe there's still some place we can start a new life. George and Cheryl stand up in the back of the Jeep and look down the road as the credits start playing over the scene. The credits stop and the camera zooms in on the back of Cheryl's head. She feels a scratch on her neck then all of a sudden turns around and she's turned into a demon. George hesitates, but the little kid doesn't and he blasts her with a shotgun. Demon Cheryl falls out of the back of the Jeep as George watches in horror. They drive away, leaving her as roadkill. Now the credits finish playing. And that... Is demons one now, David? We know how you feel, Zach. Final final thoughts on this, buddy. After uh, you know having it in your life all these years, but you know now finally examining it with the microscope and everything, how does it hold up? Oh, it holds up tenfold. That ending is it. It puts the it's that ending is icing on the cake because what other movie has done that before? or since and if they've done it since it's because they saw this but i love it it's a great way to end it and continue the story create world building fantasy building and uh man it was it's so much fun people i think if you've never seen this movie go watch it um don't 
I highly recommend you go out and buy the physical copy of it. Don't go on YouTube because the, any version on there is a butchered version. Um, it, it's great. It's, it's so much fun and it solidifies why it's one of my favorite Italian horror films of all the times. Woohoo! <laughs> David, I'll let you go last because I know you're going to have a lot to say. Uh, Zach, I completely agree with everything you just said. I know you do. <laughs> I think this movie is fun. I think it holds up really well. I think it's a blast to watch in 2023. I think the effects are fantastic. And the ending is awesome. I love it. It's one of those movies where it, like, it sticks the landing, you know, for all of its silliness and everything. I like how big it goes at the end. It starts with this small little story and just expands outwards. And, you know, having only seen Demons too recently and we'll discuss it more uh next you know breakdown and everything i love how they continue to you know the whole city being lost scenario i was like wow i didn't realize that i didn't think they were really gonna stick with that and i and i applaud them for it so it is great that they are they do make a fun little one and two like a back-to-back you know double feature type of thing and and zach i'm with you man it's, it's a great example of Italian horror cinema from this era. Um, I think it's a nice counterbalance to zombie, which, you know, zombie really wants to take itself super seriously, whereas this clearly doesn't. And yeah. I think in a lot of ways, this is a much more fun film than zombie is. And I would probably, I think even David said it, I would probably recommend this movie as like an, an entryway maybe even over zombie, you know, uh, if someone wants to see an Italian horror film, watch this one first. It's fun. It's not terribly scary. And, but the gore and everything that it does have, I think it's fantastic. So David unleash your love, my man. I think one thing we need to bring up first of all, (laughs) one thing we need to bring up first of all is the kid in the back of the, in the, in the front of the Jeep, should I say is actually Bob from uh, house by the cemetery. One of the most hated children in horror movies ever. Um, makes his reappearance in Demons. Um, I can't give this film enough love. I, it's it, My top three horror films of all time go in this order, and it's Carnival of Souls, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Demons. And the one thing they all have in common is good atmosphere, very atmospheric horror films. And I think they have very pure stories as well, where it's a simple premise, but it's stretched out to that hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. And it's one constant threat all the way through it. And you can, it doesn't splinter off into silliness in any way. Carnival Souls is very much just about a woman being followed by something. Um, and that's how it starts and that's how it ends. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that someone goes into the village of uh, these nightmarish uh, people. And, and, and that, that, as well as this, has that whole kind of nightmarish feel. It doesn't, I mean, Texas Chainsaw doesn't have the dream logic, but it has a nightmarish feel, and it's pure, it's one thing. People go somewhere, this thing happens. And that's what I like about Demons. And I think that that, that kind of film, where it's, you just go somewhere, and exp- like Night of the Living Dead as well. You go somewhere, something happens. Very simple story. It doesn't branch off into silliness, and, oh my God, this is happening. And like we could say about the Resident Evil films, where it becomes about cloning and all this other crap, which just doesn't need to be there. For me, Demons, Texas Chainsaw and Carnival Souls are pure horror films. You have an idea and that's and they, they you just take the idea and stretch all the terror and tension what you possibly can out of that scenario. And I think with this, they do it so well. And like I said before, I think it's very sophisticated in the way that it blends 
the the film rea- the, the film reality with the film within a film reality. I think it does that really well, and I think it does it in ways like we've discussed here tonight that you don't initially see or understand on initial viewing, but when you break it down like we have, and you actually take time to look at all these shots and what they mean, there's a hell of a lot going on. And I think, and Lombardo Barva said this is his favourite film, he thinks this is his best film, but I think it took that combination of Barva and Argento to come together to make this what it is. And I think you get the best of both worlds from those two directors in this film. And like I, I think this is a 10 out of 10 movie. Soundtrack, scenario, atmosphere cinematography special effects especially there's a few duds like we said the close-up of the the tongue coming out that one's you know but it's it's still not the worst it's still not the worst and i recommend it to anyone and, and just like zach said you need to own this go and buy that physical copy of it yeah. buy that arrow uh we're, we're not sponsored by arrow but buy that arrow box set that arrow box set the, mo- the most recent release it looks absolutely beautiful and yeah go and see De- if you haven't seen demons go and see demons and you have seen Demons, go watch Demons again. Yeah, or go watch Demons too, or go prep for that, because we're going to be covering that next. Uh, David, a nice little bit of synchronicity. I know Carnival of Souls is your favorite movie. And today, uh, the day that we are recording it, is the anniversary of when it was released in the U.S. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's very good, yeah. I know there's there's a nice new vinyl release of the soundtrack. Have you seen that? And Graham Humphreys no. did the, uh, uh, the cover art, who does all the video nasty covers originally over here in the uk yeah it looks it looks great but um yeah that the the atmosphere in horror films is something that's very important to me and uh, that's something i really connect with and you don't get it so much now because everything's about fast paced jump scares and just all that kind of nonsense but these things even though demons is full throttle action you still get enough build-up and enough time and enough atmosphere in that theater to, to feel something to start feeling some real terror well, without giving away too much, David, where does Demons 2, because you're going to be on that episode, but to give people a taste, where does Demons 2 land for you on on your lists? I'm not going to say. I can't really put it in the top 10, because to do that, I, I think that's unfair to put it in there, because it, it, it's like saying, oh, I'm going to put Poltergeist 2 in my top 10, of, but it's... But, there wouldn't be a Poltergeist to without Poltergeist, and Poltergeist is the better film. Of course, Demons... Yeah. I'd say Demons is the better film, definitely. But there's still stuff in Demons 2. I think it was... Like you're saying about synchronicity, I think it was this was filmed so close, because literally Demons was a hit, and it came out and it made gangbusters money. Like, it did well. They sold it on video at Cannes. It, it did really, really well. And everyone was like, we want Demons 2. And I think they were kind of they unexpectedly fell on a hit with this i think they obviously wanted it but i think it did better than they thought it would and i mean and that that's demons 2 was out in less than a year that yeah was it's, it's 86 yeah. yeah this is 85 yeah. and that's 86 yeah. so, so yeah they, they cranked much, it out they cranked it out but i don't think i don't i think there's some shortcomings in it but i don't think they cranked it out i, I would put it akin to something like scream 2 because Scream 2, that was something that was a hit, and it just... Scream 1 was a hit that just came out of nowhere, and immediately, like, we want Scream 2. And the, and if you look on a calendar, it was within a year that Scream that's, 2 came that's out. Wild. And when you did the box office charts of films that made money that year, Scream 1 and Scream 2 are actually on the same chart because of the time, time-wise where they came out, which is insane. Wow. Um, but I feel... With Scream 2, you look at that and you wouldn't think Scream 2 was something that was cranked out in less than a year. And I don't think with Demons 2, you could look at it and say it looks like something that was cranked out in less than a year. I think it's, I think it's still, 
I think they were still using the grease and fuel of a well-oiled machine to go into Demons 2, and there's some of that magic still there. But yeah. I think it would be unfair. I think it'd be unfair to say Demons 2 is in my top 10 or anything like that, but it's a, I think it's solid. I think it's solid. Yeah. yeah. It's not in your top 10 because it doesn't have Rick Springfield and Go West on the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> but it does have it's Tony the Pimp. Rick Springfield. <laughs> yeah, it does have Tony the Pimp. So yeah, it's, it's, it does, it does. Yeah. It's As got a body the cult. Yeah, The yeah, cult yeah. is on the soundtrack too. But. Uh, Last thing I was going to mention uh, really quick was that, uh, uh, you know, the fact that the movie theater, like you don't know, you think there's one screen, but if you think about movie theaters like the Arclight here in Los Angeles, which has like multiple levels, and just kind of a labyrinth. I thought it was thought that was really well done throughout as well. I just want to throw that in there too. No, nah, all the upstairs, downstairs stuff and everything. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It, they they made good use of what could have just been a small space. I think they right. used it very well in this movie. Um, and as someone who, like I said, just saw Demons Two pretty much for the first time, there's a lot of fun to be had in that movie, and I am very much excited to uh, to get into that. Um, and obviously, like I said, David will be back for that as well. So with, this is a two-parter again. We've that we conceived of over a year ago, and it took a while for everything to sync up. Um, but Zach, what's going on uh, since this is going to be dropping at the early part of October on Pad? What do you have, guys? Uh, what do you guys have going on on two dollar late fee to celebrate spooky season? Well, we typically go more obscure with our picks, but we're actually going mainstream once again. We're covering the Lost Boys. Um, because we have an interview coming up with Jameson Newlander, a.k.a. Alan Frog from The Lost Boys. So we'll be focusing more, uh, the discussion is more on the soundtrack to The Lost Boys, because it's, some people say it's the greatest soundtrack of the 80s, some people say it's not, and we have a nice little lively discussion about that. Um, Yeah, that's what we're going to kick off October with. Man, that's awesome. That's going to be a great month, man. I'm, I'm excited for all of that over there. And uh, by the time you hear, hear this, you'll have heard the last of the Roadhouse crossover event with uh, Territory Marks, where uh, Zach and I and Paul London uh, talk about Terry Funk's uh, career. Not his career, but that like a like one year of his life and everything. It's really it's a lot of fun. I had it's a great a tribute. time on that one. Yeah, it's a tribute, a tribute because we recorded it like a week or so after he passed away, um, very unexpectedly. So it's a tribute to Terry Funk and his run in 1989, which was pretty spectacular. And then we'll be doing some creepy stuff with Territory Marks in October as well. Yeah. And creepy this, of stories course, from the territories. Yeah. And of course, this uh, this kicks off our month of Halloween. Uh, we're going to have a Halloween TV Obscura, uh, which we've already recorded. That's when that one's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're talking about um, the Friday 13th series and the Nightmare on Elm Street TV series. And then we're going to have David back on for Demons Part 2 yeah, and uh, some other stuff, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of spooky fun. Right, Zach? It's going to be so spooky. 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 <laughs> spooky. I just saw a thing the other day with, uh, what is it, Kumal, uh, the, the comedian? Um, yeah. Uh, and, and, he, and he was going on about how in one of the Friday the 13th movies, uh, Freddy Krueger kills a, uh, has to choose between killing a white girl and a black girl, and he kills the black girl, and he's like, oh, time for some dark meat. You know, and Freddy then goes, oh, Freddie, how could you do that? And he goes on this whole rant. He's like, you do realize you're saying that about a child killer. 
Like all the <laughs> child killing he did was okay, but oh, don't go to the race car because that will just push <laughs> over the edge. So. That's where our priorities are as a nation, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but uh, de- the, what a great way to kick off October with demons and David. Double D's. Double we D's. got our double, double D's, D's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> David, thanks so much for uh, for being on this, man. Really appreciate it. Can't wait to uh, probably see you in about a week or so for the next one. And uh, yeah, definitely. And of course, I'll have all the links for for David's, um, you know, everything you find in, in the you know, for his books and all that kind of stuff. Amazon his, his links, personal and address, his phone number, phone you number, know, the, yeah. the whole the whole thing. So don't David, worry, it's, it's, it's on plenty of bathroom walls already. It's yeah, fine, of course, it's, of course, in the metropole. Yeah, <laughs> the metropole. And as always, it's not my fault, Ripper. <laughs> we'll catch you on the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.